podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Say the mother, bringing us back again from the drumming on the Congo. Came with a strong flow and continued to grow. Feet moved to the beat of the tabalo. Now dig the story and follow. For then it landed on American soil. Through the sweat, the blood, and the toil, it praised the Lord. Shouted on chain games, pain they felt, but it helped them to maintain. Scott Joplin track, Bessie Smith blues, St. Louis blues. They were all the news, ringing smooth in all the listeners' ears. Fulfilling the needs and planting the seeds of a jazz thing. King Oliver's group was a train coming through to Chicago, bringing in the Orleans groove. And with Satchmo Blue, the audience knew. Basin Street Blues was the whole house tune, it was music. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Fuck up, fuck that, I didn't like it. <laughs> I did do a mark there. It's because I was editing the show the other day. It was like Becky really did give him a hard time about his introduction last week. He, I think I just kind of. I know. <laughs> Let me try that again. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and uh, welcome to episode 351 of Film Bastards. My name's Ian Loring, and as always this week, I am joined by. Becky Foster, hello everybody. Matt Foster, hello everybody. And as a uh, a treat for us all, uh, we are also joined by she Jordan McGrath. <laughs> <laughs> Strong. Uh, his film, her movies, Jordan McGrath is also here. Um, so, what are we discussing this week? Well, um, yeah, we got a triple banger. So. The iTunes rental of the week section, we we think we're just going to retire. There seems to be enough that we're actually able to kind of talk about at the moment. Um, I had discussed that. I just want to check that that's not a surprise to Mark and Becky. No, that's not a surprise to Mark and Becky. I am scandalised. Shook to your core. Shook, I am shook. (laughs) And I... I literally got two minutes into eight mile yesterday when Mark texted me and said, we're not going to make it to eight mile. It, it was just like, let's just fuck it off. eh?" Yeah. Like it, it I got like so. a quarter of a mile. Quarter of a mile. Yeah. Quarter of a mile. <laughs> That's how you live for your life. Yeah. Quarter mile of time. <laughs> um, indeed. Uh, so we have got this week, uh, Netflix's Spike Lee collaboration, the five bloods, uh, Disney Plus's Kenneth Branagh directed Artemis Fowl. Um, did at least Mark and Becky watch Silent Hill Revelation? Obviously. Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, don't. Um, it was. It didn't happen, but we'll come to that when we review it, won't we? <laughs> oh, God, yes. 
Um, I'm fairly sure George. Oh, sorry, Bex. No, I was just saying I'd forgotten about the trauma of that. I blanked it out of my mind. Mark just reminded me. Interesting. Carry on. Um, George, I, I take it George did not watch the majesty of Silent Hill Revelation. I absolutely did. Yay! Would you? No. Oh. oh. <laughs> Bloody hell, Jordan. You had me going there. Fair play. Um, <laughs> we'll have some news. We got, we do have trailers. We've got a couple of trailers, I believe. Um, or at least a couple. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lockdown kind of continues in whatever the fuck it actually is now. Um, you know, doesn't really... Are cinemas going to be open in July? Who knows? Um, Tenet yeah. got put... Tenet got pushed back two weeks to July the 31st with a re-release of Inception with footage from Tenet uh, scheduled to come out on the 17th instead. Interestingly, I saw on Twitter today that Warner Brothers Brazil have pushed back Tenet formally to the 13th of August, um, which has kind of had some tongues wagging, like, well, wherever territory is going to do that. Who the fuck knows? Um, To be fair... I think the government's probably going to allow people to eat each other out on public street corners um, before <laughs> long in terms of how they're dealing with uh, easing lockdown restrictions. So, you know, cinemas, I think, will be open. Uh, yeah. Whether any fucker goes to them, who's to say? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. George, how are you feeling about going back to the cinema? I'm quite looking forward to it. Um, it depends on what's on. Obviously, if Tenet's, Tenet's there, I will definitely go see Tenet. I probably won't go and see the Russell Crowe film, but um, yeah, the, the 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 whole thing doesn't worry me at all because I just know it's going to be you're going to be split out enough that it's not going to really be an issue. But I can see. I just don't understand. I don't know where. They're going to be making all their money. I know they can do put them on loads of different screens, but I still think people won't go. The general person will not go. They're more willing to go to a packed bar and get hammered than be social distance in a cinema. It's an interesting one, that, isn't it? Um, you know, because the cinema is not a very social activity and obviously people for like the last three months now have not been able to socialize um yeah that's that to be a uh, to be honest most people have it's it's generally when you walk around the streets now people really aren't socially distancing anymore i need so at least, at least yeah. um, the amount of pictures like you see on social media of people going around people sort of like like houses and things like that it's mm. it's frustrating isn't it given given everything that people have done for them to just fucking chuck it out the window at the last minute i mean it, it wasn't it was it put it, it, it's when living in the post cummings covid fallout oh, yeah. yeah and that's it yeah exactly <sighs> once once that happened it basically for a lot of people it just it went out the fucking window even though you know it's interesting. It's been like three weeks since that now. And the R rate, I mean, it's gone up, but it hasn't quite. I, I think maybe it hasn't quite gone up in the way that some people would have expected it to. Um, 
and it's it's interesting. I mean, like Wales, apparently the R rate is amongst like the lowest in the in the UK. Um, to be fair, it's been way more forcefully fucking enforced here. Mm. Um, but it's um, yeah, I don't. It it doesn't quite feel like it's been as apocalyptic as people thought it was going to. Like all these things have just like. You know those beaches that were really crowded. That was that was two weeks, two three weeks ago now, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. You know, and it's like people saying like, look at all this. You know, you've only gonna have yourselves to blame in a couple of weeks' time, and it hasn't really materialized. It's um, it's it's weird, and, and maybe it is just because like outside it is just a lot harder to actually like catch it. Um, but I'm just happy. I mean, the thing is, I'm sort of. It's troublesome in a way that, yeah, it's, for example, it's like football coming back. Should football generally be coming back on a health and safety sense? No. But am I happy that it's coming back? 100%. <laughs> it, it's my own personal needs rather than the needs of the people, which makes me sound like an absolute dick. But come Wednesday night, I can't wait to watch two games back to back. It's going to make my week. It's the thing is, I mean, like with football, when you say should it be coming back from a health and safety point of view, I'm not entirely sure. It's a no there just because of the in like the sheer amount of testing and security that they're they're going through. You know, it's like aren't they get they're getting tested for COVID like twice a week or something like that. Mm. Um, You know, and it's not it's not costing the NHS anything because they've all bought these machines that take longer to produce results than the the nhs testing ones are so you know you it's i mean it is fucking ridiculous that you know out of all the things to kind of resume it is uh, like professional sport but i mean you know it's that kind of like it's a a bit of a tonic for the people like you say george i mean like like fucking tottenham united on friday night cannot fucking wait you know what i mean cannot wait for that um the games on wednesday are going to be good as well you know it's i mean we've been saying on this podcast for weeks now it comes to a point where you know life kind of does have to resume and if you could do it in a way where football is where it's just like right we're gonna have to like suck up the fact that we're not gonna have any fucking punters here um but still carry on it's kind of fair enough i mean like the the one thing that pisses me off about it is the fact that newcastle are the one team that have not said yes we will refund season ticket holders like it's more that kind of thing than covid that bothers me about the way that football's coming back at the moment Uh, excuse for that is terrible as well what is it it's that uh it may affect the um current ongoing takeover (laughs) which may get vetoed anywhere Oh, is this by the dodgy people? Hey, mm. I, I tell you though, I bet most Newcastle fans will probably say, "Take my season ticket. I want Ashley out." <laughs> yeah. It's a fair point. I mean, God, what they what they need to do is like an opening ceremony for the new owners. It's just to take all the sports direct hoardings in the stadium, just burn them in the centre of the pitch. Yeah. Uh Anyway, um. You know, Liverpool are going to win the title in a couple of weeks. United are going to smash Spurs on Friday. By talking about it, don't fucking jinx that. Well, yeah, but I know I, I, it's currently unjinxable. 
I mean, He's Liverpool winning the uh, league. Uh, if there's point. one club, <laughs> no, Mark, just don't say anything because at the moment you've got two non-Liverpool supporting people talking about it, so you're safe. I'm safe. Why do you think I've kept quiet? <laughs> well, no, exactly. I mean, to be fair, if you guys now lose the title, Becky is solely to blame. <laughs> yep. Why am I lying? Because <laughs> you just said don't jinx it. You were the one talking about about it. But does jinx does jinxing things work if the people talking about it aren't necessarily that bothered about that thing happening? I do, I, 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 when football is concerned, I believe in the power of the jinx. Yeah, let's just not risk it, eh? Well, that's like super jinx. It, yeah, no, it hasn't served me that well <laughs> in my near 40 years. <laughs> it has served me terribly. Uh, but... I still believe in the power of the jinx. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so Mulan now looks to be the first big thing to come out in the UK. Um, we'll see if Disney hold the line. I feel like they would at this point. Um, but, you know, we shall see. Uh, Wonder Woman moved to October... The Robert Zemeckis Witches remake has moved to an unannounced date, uh, which because I, I think Wonder, it was coming out in Wonder Woman's place. Matrix 4 has moved to 2022. And the film that literally no one cares. Does anyone care about Godzilla versus Kong at this point? Um, <laughs> no. no. Literally, when the trailer arrived, people go, well, they made it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... You know, good on Adam Wingard for getting that job. Um, but Godzilla King of the Monsters was the most boring blockbuster I've seen in a number of years. Um, fuck it, awful fucking film that is. Um, and yeah, that is now coming out in Matrix 4's place. Um, so, you know, the great uh, fucking hokey-cokey of uh, film schedules continues. Can I just um, say... I, I, I predicted when they announced that John Wick 4 and The Matrix were going to be released on the same day, I said there's not a fucking chance that will happen and COVID has proved me right. Can you imagine though what a double bill that would be for Keanu Reeves fans? Well yeah, it'd be fantastic. It'd be fucking magnificent. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine us trying to cram in all of the fucking Matrix films and the John Wick films in to all do one big podcast? I mean, that would be a pretty solid week of watching, to be fair. Fuck you, COVID. <laughs> well, People are going to be able to get the Keanu um, fix uh, sooner in uh, cinemas. Let's fucking segue. Segway, that was beautiful. Um, so uh, it's going to it's going to be a Keanu tastic late summer, um, early autumn with Cyberpunk 2077 starring Keanu Reeves in an apparently very large role coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. But also in trailer talk, Bill and Ted face the music. The first looks looks more like a teaser, it is which is interesting. Cons- yeah, but uh, considering the film is supposed to come out in two months, that's an interesting choice. Um, what did we think, guys? George, as our guest, what did you make of this? I mean, I definitely want to see it. It, it does look kind of fun, but it's just any time Keanu Reeves delivers a line, it looks like he's having a stroke. And like, don't, I'm, I'm a fan of the whole sort of Keanu Reeves renaissance with John Wick and things like that, but I don't know why he just looks so stilted. And I, don't, 
I said to Mark the other day, Keanu Reeves without a beard now looks like someone wearing a Keanu Reeves mask. It, he looks more plastic than anything else. Like yeah. he looks like he's got so much Botox in, but <laughs> when you see him with a beard, it doesn't. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm I'm all for it, and I will definitely go and see it. But the trailer didn't do anything for me to be like, this is going to be great. I'm, it's completely nostalgia for like nostalgia fueled. Yeah. What? No one else going to say anything. I, 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 I am. It, I, it's, yeah, it's the trailer doesn't tell you that much. There's not that much in it. But I was there going, I want this warm hug from Alex Windsor and Keanu Reeves. And I have a feeling that's what it's going to be like. It's just going to be this really nice. Yeah. Just it. it I, I think the, the the problem often you get with these these films that are these reboots or these sequels that exist for pure nostalgia is people fooled into thinking that um that bill and ted's excellent adventure bill and ted's bogus journey are like fucking five-star classic films and they are really enjoyable and i really liked really liked them you know i have a really strong affinity for bogus journey but I think people are expecting to do like something amazing, and it, it it's just going to be really entertaining, and that's yeah. all you need is fun entertainment. I just don't know how like whoa, excellent translates into grown men doing that. Like I, I don't marvelously. <laughs> I'm modeling my entire life on it. <laughs> Based on what's on screen, it doesn't look great. I don't know how how keen I am for for, for swole future. Bill and Ted. I am sorry for that. Um, but I mean, it'll be fun. I'll watch it because it's got Keanu Reeves in it, and it's a Bill and Ted sequel. So, but it's not it's not a great teaser that they've put together. They teased me. Did it tease? It you? Teased, yeah. Did it tickle your balls? It tickled my balls. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's a bit of pre there. Oh, you always have to take it too fucking far, There's don't no you? Too far. <sighs> you disgust me. Good. Dirty bitch. I yeah. really don't like it when you two start talking like like that on the podcast. <laughs> Why? I, it just sounds like a fucking mating ritual. Um, <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I it it it, it it's going to be kind of disappointing when this turns out to be a 3.5 out of 5 i think you know um it it's not it's not going to be shit and it's going to mean it's it's going to be so well intended um but yeah unsure it's good to see alex winter about that but you're you're right there absolutely but my prediction is the first 10 15 minutes are going to be close to five out of five. Then the rest of the movie is going to be three out of five, which is going to start to make you go, all right. And then the last 10 minutes where you get the banger of a song that might be terrible, but it will be a banger within the actual film, will make you go, five out of five, give it all the awards. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, yeah, I hope so. And, uh, you know, it's... Now that um, Wonder Woman's fucked off, it's actually got, you know, a, a pretty 
clear run during August, really, um, assuming it doesn't just like eventually go to premium VOD or anything. So, I, you know, best of luck to it. And it's great to see an Orion logo at the start of the film, uh, a trailer, you know, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, there was some, there was another trailer as well, and it's completely gone out of my fucking memory. What, what's the other trailer? Was it the Eurovision one? Eurovision. Thank you, George. Um, I I am very much looking forward to watching this a week Friday. Um, I'm very excited that it's coming out a week Friday. It would have made more sense if it came out. I don't know. Maybe before Eurovision this year. Um, But yeah, I will watch Will Ferrell square off against Dan Stevens for the affections of Rachel McAdams while also trying to impress Pierce Brosnan. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's it. The thing is there, I was already in when it was Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams because I like them both very much as comedians. Um, so I was, I was already very in with that. When Dan Stevens arrived in the trailer, especially as he was shirtless, I was, yeah, like, always good I was like, I am so in with this. This looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Dan Stevens is great. Dan Stevens is great at anything he does. Can I watch it just for Dan Stevens and just hold my thumb up in front of the screen every time Will Ferrell and his fucking ugly face is on there? If you want to do, yeah, it might add to your entertainment for it. Oh, but have you have you not seen the Volcano Man music video? No. I'll show you. Oh, the podcast. It's fucking good. He's a volcanic protector man. It's brilliant. <laughs> just, I just don't find him funny at all. Except when you're actually watching his movies, you're laughing very quickly. Like what? You, 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 Anchorman, you like him. Anchorman's funny. Yeah. Yeah. You like him in Zoolander. Not really. I mean, that's not a Will Ferrell movie. I'm just saying that you often laugh at Will Ferrell and say you don't like him. I, I don't think he's funny anymore. That's an unfair comment. But... An elf shit. I think he's elf mainly. <laughs> elf has put me off him because everyone goes on about how fucking great that movie is. <laughs> and it's trash. Hmm. What? Well, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Elf, but it's not a hell I'm going to die on. It's, it's crap. And Zooey Deschanel can eat a dick. I'm, I'm sure she know. can. <laughs> <laughs> Several at one. <sighs> sure she can. Um, George, any, um, any thoughts on Eurovision at all? I haven't seen the trailer, um, but Will Ferrell in that wig See, I, I am a fan of Will Ferrell when he's being a little bit more less Will Ferrelly. Like, for example, when he goes full on Ferrell, he can get <laughs> he irks me a little bit. But hopefully, he doesn't go full Ferrell. So you're hoping for like Blades of Glory? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You liked the house? No, I didn't. Oh, the house is good. Who's that annoying woman that's in it as well? Amy Poehler. Her either. Them two, as a partnership, on fucking screen? No. That's just like, that's the opposite of Becky Nip. Jason Manzoukis is fucking great in that film. But again, I'd have to hold both thumbs up in front of Amy Poehler and Will Ferrell to enjoy it. No, but then you've also got um, just the running gag about him having the ladies' glasses on. Um... (laughs) And just insisting that they're not women's glasses. 
Um, that's a very, very good 85 minutes or so is the house. It is a it? 85 minutes. Um, okay, so any other trailers? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah, we do, actually. Uh, 7500, the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie that no one knew existed, but is on Amazon Prime from Friday. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't watch the trailer for this. It looks really good, actually. Yeah? Yeah. yeah Do you know anything about the story? It, that's it, not a true story. I don't know if, if that's a true story. Oh. Do you know anything about the story? He's a, he's a pilot and a terrorist tries to take over the plane. And he's yeah. set in the cabin. Yeah, but um, his partner is one of the cabin crew they've taken hostage. Oh, right. Like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah, it's it's an interesting trailer. If I want to see how long this movie is, uh, because if they can get into a tense like under a hundred minutes, mm. this could be this could be quite a good one actually. Yeah, hundred thirty-two <laughs> minutes. A hundred and thirty-two minutes. That's ninety-two uh, minutes. Ninety-two <laughs> minutes. An hour and thirty-two minutes. I meant to say. Right. Okay. There we go. Okay. Yeah. This looks like a ninety-two minute film. Mm. Well, Red Eye was about 80 minutes. So, you know. I like Red Eye. I like Killian Murphy. I want to do more. Well, we shall talk about 7500 next week. Yep. You might have to remind me that we're reviewing that. Uh, God. So we're doing the nice economical hour and a half long Joseph Gordon-Levitt airplane hijack movie and the Judd Apatow film. So obviously it's five hours long. <laughs> yeah. That's next week. Right. OK, great. OK, good stuff. Um, OK, so what shall we talk about first? Let's warm up with a lovely bit of Artemis Fowl. He always shared his discoveries with me. The only thing he kept private was his journal. Then that's what we have to find. I wouldn't know where to begin to look. Could your father have ever given you a clue as to where to start? He never told me how to start. But he may have told me how to end. End? Yeah. He read the same poem to me every night before bed and every time he left. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall soft upon your fields. Who wrote this poem, Artie? Nobody knows. That's just it. And how do you find it? It's known as the Irish Blessing. It's a journal. It's Dad's journal. Directed, it's directed by Kenneth Branagh and stars I am robot boy who cannot express emotion Josh Gad Judy Dench Nonzo Anonzi Anonzi Nonzo Nonzo Oh my god I'm not doing that on purpose Sorry You're just channeling Mark Fosterisms today I'm so sorry it was just like I was trying to think of his name in my head, and whenever I did it, it was just like does not compute. <laughs> I want to say it's Nonzo Anozi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Right. Thank you, Jordan. Um, 
and uh yeah colin farrell's in there as well um so what the fuck's this piece of shit about uh let's have a think um there's a young boy who is a criminal mastermind question mark whose dad is kidnapped by a person and that person says oi kid you have to get this thing for me otherwise i'm gonna do your dad in so he goes all right then i'm a criminal mastermind so i'm gonna try and save my dad because apparently that's what criminal masterminds do uh josh gad is also in it and does a voice like he's trying to sound tough but doesn't understand the concept of what being tough is um this film is fucking awful and if anyone's got anything positive to say about it just go for it now and then we can just talk about what this film actually is does anyone have anything positive to say about artemis fowl I really enjoyed the bit where the butler man picks Colin Farrell up when he comes back from being kidnapped and sort of gives him a hug. That was funny. The fact that he just picks him up. That's the only bit I enjoyed. Good shit. Mark? Positives. Um, It's 95 minutes long. Is it a positive when it's 95 minutes long but feels like it wants to be two hours? Yeah, but imagine if it was two hours long, yeah. it would feel like you are still watching it now. Yeah. And messaging me saying, we'll start when this film actually fucking finishes. I'm really sorry. Yeah, okay. No, that's a totally fair counterpoint. George? Well, it's 95 minutes long, but it's actually 88 minutes before credits. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the, the weirdest thing there is like the first nine minutes is basically prologue. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That is the only positive I can actually say about this film. I mean, I laughed a couple of times at the scene between Josh Gad and Judy Dench. I don't know, like I, I thought they had some interesting chemistry together, and I, I also the big dramatic music as the elves or fairies or whatever the fuck they were were coming to the house. And then it kind of like zooms in on Judy Dench. And then she just says, top of the morning. Um, I don't know why I found that funny, but I did. Apart from those, um, this film cost $125 million. Like how? It's the cheapest looking shit. I mean... Don, like, I, was, I watched it with Donna, and she was just like... Are you sure this was supposed to be coming out in cinemas? That this isn't just a Disney Plus thing? Like it, it just the, the the staging of it all, like the lighting, the production design, just Wait. the scope of the fucking thing is yeah, so TV. That is, but not even like the. I mean, the scope of it is like it, it believes that it has this massive scope, but it has no scope. Like, does it really take any any place? Like the main part is like around the house when they put that time shift thing on it. We don't go anywhere else. And it's like, so you, you have, you've got this really contained, dull story with no interesting visuals to, to bounce off it. And it's, yeah. it is so dry. And 
Yeah, it's... I don't understand why, what made Kenneth Branagh want to direct it. And I don't know what the audience is it for either, because if it's a kid's movie, then spend £20 million or $20 million and make something that is passable. Make a Lava Girl and Shark Boy, whatever, and you don't spend $125 million trying to make something that has no appeal to anybody who may be over the age of nine. Well, we've having a, having a young child, a young female child as well in the golden age of the Disney channel. Mm. uh, We saw a lot of like the Disney channel movies, didn't we? Disney channel original. Yeah. Uh, And a lot of them were better, more entertaining and better acted than that. The high school musical movies. Why? Why did it, even the Wizard of Waverly Place movie was fucking great? Yeah, um, why did everybody in this film have an odd accent? Yeah, that really yeah. accents really fucking annoy me in movies, and especially when they're all over the place and they just fucking were. Why was Judy Dench putting on a growly voice? I, I'll be honest, I maybe understood three percent of what Judy Dench said, and that is probably being generous. I just it's, don't get it. It's it, tough. it when it finished, I just thought to myself, Kenneth Branagh's a bad director. Mm. You know, not, he's, not, a, he's made a bad I, film. He's a bad director. Started having a look back at his films and found out, yes, Kevin Branagh's a bad director. Well, he, he's insanely inconsistent, I, I I think. It's like Murder on the Orient Express. Brilliant. It's a good yeah. film. You know, it's really. Not, is, is there an argument that he can't direct things that he can't direct things if he's not in them. Well, I don't know. He, he, he directed Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit, and he was in that. And that's just the, one of the most anonymous fucking things. It, yeah, it's, it's, God, did he direct before? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like I said in, in the thread, in, in the uh, WhatsApp thread, it's like, when I was watching it, I actually Googled Kenneth Branagh divorce payout because I thought that might be the only, the only reason why he would have actually wanted to direct it just for a payday. Um, I mean, uh, it, he, he he was interviewed on Kermode and Mayo and he said that his nephews liked the books um, and turned him on to them. And he, he quite liked the idea of a like kind of James Bond with fairies kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, all right, fair enough, maybe you didn't make that. Um, a, I, I would also add into that if somebody turned around to you and said, "Right, we're pitching a movie here," and it's kind of like, it's James Bond, you'd be like, "All right, yeah, yeah, with fairies, like that is the worst thing <laughs> on every on a fucking spinning wheel of shit that it could come up with." The word you found the worst. What James Bond with fucking paedophiles is better than James Bond with fairies? Even the fairies were shit though, like. If they're fairies, why do they have to have mechanical wings? Just let them be fairies. There was a whole lot. Why would why were they in literary costumes that it seems like Branagh found somewhere? <laughs> I don't even get the James Bond angle because I didn't feel it at all. No, James Bond's charismatic, and that kid's a cunt. I, yeah, I mean, like to be, I mean, and and to be clear to anyone who hasn't seen Artemis Fowl but knows Mark's feelings on kids. That's actually not an overestimation. He's a fucking twat, is that kid. Yeah. Like, from start to finish. Just like, 
so at the end when he's like slow motion walking to the camera with the glasses on and the fucking suit and he just leaves his mate in the house he's just fucking waving out i mean what the fuck was that character about as well by the way like is is his little friend like I mean, she was in what, like three scenes, which is every now and then it's kind of in the background of shots. But no, I mean, I just I wanted to punch him repeatedly for like the whole just that introduction scene where he's talking to the teacher and like pointing out the fact that the, the, that chair was actually a piece of shit and stuff. It's like, wow, we're going to have to do some work here to make you likable. And it's like the only likable thing is is that dad's been kidnapped and he wants to save his dad. And that, you know, fair enough. But every other thing that he does is pure cuntistry. Um, I, I I, just, I don't, like, is there is there a two-hour cut of this film that actually makes sense? It feels like as soon as, be. like, they... Like, but I mean, it feels like they they were like two thirds of the way through editing. Then COVID happened, and they were like, right, we're going to postpone the release. And then they just forgot that they announced a new date for it and just stuck this out. Awful yeah. fucking film, like awful, awful film. It, it like you know, Disney usually have some sort of you know minimum bar two and a half stars or something like that you know and i mean i said myself in the whatsapp like it's 95 minutes long guaranteed minimum two stars no fucking way this will be one of the worst films of the year this is um i have for the past two years i have been pretty much spot on with my um with my letterboxing uh but i was spotty for like the three or four years before that this is one of only two movies to get half a star for me in that time. And the other one was the Smurfs. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's just, what the fuck were they doing? Um, It's so, it's just, it's so boring, yet also annoying. But that's it for, for an 85 minute film. I, it got to maybe 25 minutes in. It, it, I was very, I was actually struggling to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just couldn't. My mind just kept on going somewhere else because it was totally not engaging. And it, yes, part most of that is to do with the main character and him just not being charismatic and you not caring whatsoever. But the world isn't even that attractive either it doesn't mm. like you would think when you go into the underworld and the fairies yeah. and the trolls and the whatever they you'd be like okay they? yeah that, that at least be visually striking and get you in a little bit but no it was dull and boring and sort of just there was no spark there was no like creativity it felt it, it was just so so lackluster it was also well even like trying to make you feel sympathetic to the kid by saying oh you know maybe he's like this because his father isn't there or anything like that and have a really long sequence of his father being really nice to him and him his father being his best friend and he wanted to spend all his time with him any kid whose best friend is their parent is always going to be a twat oh yeah yeah absolutely get a fucking line yeah um, but it, it just the whole 
none of it there's not a bit of it that is magical or whimsical or nice or anything like that everything in it is just it's ugly yeah and god the amount of time they kept saying you know that it was like for a start one we get it it's set in ireland oh stop that that hilarious sort of gay voiceover when they were saying it's the most magical place on earth <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> I'm like, God. But, but, but it's even like the, the same, like, it's, on IMDb, the sort of the, the, the slug line is Adam is foul, a young criminal prodigy hunched down a secret society of fairies to find his missing father. Now, this whole young criminal prodigy, you do not see that whatsoever. Give me a montage of him doing something. I love it. At the end, where he's like, I'm a criminal mastermind. It's like, what? What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes you a like, criminal. Show me him stealing things. Yeah. He's I'm, not like, I have a makes him a criminal. He's not a criminal mastermind to start off with, is he? You don't know anything about what no. his dad does. Is it either established that his dad's a criminal either? I mean, he steals shit and stores it so it can't be used or whatever. Again, it just. And then at the end, that bit with the fucking fairy flying on the side of the fucking helicopter. Subtle. And it's like, it's, like, it's like, oh yeah, no one's going to fucking know about the fairy underworld now, are they? Because radar mean, doesn't exist, you pricks. What, what a criminal mastermind plot that was as well to break Josh Gad out. I know, Dad. Let's get a helicopter, fly it over that place and chuck a rope down. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> You are a criminal mastermind, Artemis. You know, I, it's, it, it, I, I, I also think that Disney don't really like Josh, Josh Gad anymore, but he's in contract with them for about five films, so they're just trying to get rid of him. He, that, that's the only reason why he was cast in that role, because you cannot think of like a really hard thing, draw, a hard sort of dwarf, and think of Josh Gad. I, I, the two I, things I, don't go together. I've heard a rumor that, that Josh Gad is going to have a um, a show on uh, Disney Plus. He's in talks to a show for Disney Plus at the moment, okay. where he, you know, he's, he's got that thing at the moment that he's doing during lockdown, where he's getting together like yeah. the cast of What Is It. There's a rumor that he's going to be doing like a a retrospective review show of old Disney movies. That'd be interesting. So that just falls more into the fact that, like George says. Disney have him under contract for something. Well, I said to you, didn't I? Like, while we were watching it, I was just about to say how embarrassed I am for Josh Gad, but then I looked at his IMDb and the man has done some shit films. I like Josh Gad. I like Josh Gad, but he's done some shit. Yeah. But another thing that Nick, right, Vin, you know people in Hollywood and we know you're listening. Could you please tell people that if you are making a film and you have a scene in Ireland or the film is set in Ireland, not every fucking piece of music has to have either a fiddle or a pan fucking flute. It's virgin on racism. It is fucking so annoying. <laughs> oh, breaking news. Is it the uh, poster for the Hitman's Bodyguard 2? No, but that's very important. The Oscars have been pushed back to April 25th. Oh, wow. Uh, eligibility uh, has now been extended from Jan 1st, 2020 to Feb 28, 
I mean, that that's Oscar voting will run from uh, the shortlist voting will run from Feb 1st to Feb 5th. Nomination voting will run from March 5th to March 10th with nominations announced on March 15th. And final voting will run from April 15 to April 20. Ooh, and have you seen the, the finally announced the Academy Museum opening? Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Academy Museum opens on Friday, April the 30th. Oh, well, that's interesting timing. Yeah, five that, days after. Jesus wept. So, Oscar season, I suppose what this means then is I mean, like, do festivals delay? This feels definitely shit for Artemis Fowl. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, it, 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 it's an absolute piece of fucking garbage. Yeah. Our audience poll, just so we can just confirm how shit it is. Um, da, 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 let's find it. Artemis Fowl, definitely not shit, 10%. Fuck you, Dan. Touching cloth, 0%, and shit, 90%. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, fair enough. I'm really sorry people that like the books like, no i don't why because yeah, it's like if, if, if someone's really connected with that book i mean I, i've never read them so i don't know if they're any good and if that would be a thing that would happen but like it shits all over it's like if harry potter the movies had been crap people would be crushed yeah but then jk rowling wouldn't uh have platform to bash trans people on right now so <laughs> brings on the boots um Amazon will pick it up as a fucking TV series in a couple of years' time, and it will get the treatment it deserves. I'm sure. It, it... I could see, I could see Artemis Fowl getting a sequel on Disney, but then going, you know what, you got paid for the last one. Yeah, you need to give us that, and we're forcing you to make a sequel. <laughs> and Josh oh, writing, directing, and starring in it. And do you know what? As well, I noticed some lovely film grain watching it, and was like, was this fucking shot on film? Of all the fucking films that are able to be shot on film, was Artemis Fowl shot on film? Yeah, it fucking was. Fuck off. It just, uh, anyway. So, yeah, so the Oscars now then. So, like, the festivals. So, usually you have Telluride is like, the, and Venice are around about the same time in late August. Then you got Toronto in September uh you've got uh london in october i think new york new york film festivals in early october um what the fuck happens now do these all just get delayed out to like november to january or something you'd, like that i mean it's you'd think so because social distancing will be completely gone so therefore they've got to try and get to a place where the those restrictions are not so much of a hindrance. So if they do go to sort of your November, your December, then hopefully, maybe, fingers crossed, they can actually pack out a cinema. Whereas in August, September, they're probably not going to be able to. It's just Oscar season is going to be so fucking long if 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 any of these festivals do start in like August, September. But then if they do, will will that will film studios want to have their stuff show you know like if you've got i mean it worked parasite debuted at Cannes and won the oscar for best picture but it it's these films don't often have that long a fucking tail to them 
Um, you know, it's like it, Mank uh, is supposed to be coming out in, on Netflix in October. And it's like, well, does that get delayed now? Because like that's going to have to stay in the conversation for so long. In order. Does, Sorry? This does. What I'm hoping this does, mm. it kills that a little bit. The idea that the only films that are released in, in the six season, weeks yeah. leading up to awards season are the ones that are get considered. Because it, it, it had gotten boring. The formulaicness of the way that the, the, the film releasing happened had just gotten a little bit silly because yeah. I think it had also started to bleed into the minds of, of voters. Yeah. If something brilliant came out in September, it's like, well, it can't be that good. Why wasn't it out in you're, January? You're still really sore about A Star Is Born, aren't you? I am very sore about A Star Is Born. <laughs> no, but, uh, no, but I mean, a, a Star Is Born is a perfect example of this where... Yeah, in, in years to come, right, when when people have realised that nobody has watched the Gary Oldman movie that he won the Academy Award for because people can't even name what it is. Exactly. You look at like going, what? Oh yeah, now. Yeah. The Churchill one that he won for. Darkest Hour. He won it for playing Churchill. Nobody's seen it. I'm mean, sure someone must have. No. What won best film? I'm just wondering about Spotlight. that now. I mean Spotlight. Is- Not Spotlight. Um, um, Green Book. Yeah, no. What well, Green Book won the year that? Fuck what? yeah. Did it? Did yeah. I mean, but Spotlight then won the better film than Green Book. To be fair, Green Book played Toronto. It won the Audience Award there, and that kind of started its path. So you know, it that kind of came out around about the same time as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the the thing is that that was very much a people voting for it and going right. Well, I've done my bit to fight the good fight. I it, vote. It's for- not very. It's a, it's a- white savior movie it's 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 horrible when you look at it in a in a sort of racial context yeah but um the people of a certain age felt good about voting for it for that reason but it's like the fact that the help is like the number one fucking trending movie on whatever streaming platform it's on at the moment and that's just white people going i'm going to watch this this makes me feel good about (laughs) it and like all the black people that are commenting on it are going no no this is part of the problem. Even Jessica Chastain, who's in it, said, mm, it's not the movie like, you need to watch right now. It's like watching Driving Miss Daisy and thinking you're doing your bit, isn't it? Yeah. Driving Miss Daisy since 1991. <laughs> Do you reckon? No. Uh, it just... Uh, uh, Green Book, yeah. I like Green Book, but... There, there, there were better fucking films, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, so I, it, it will be interesting to see what happens now. I mean, I think from a film release point of view, it now basically clears the runway for just there to basically be blockbusters between when cinemas open in December. Um, then there can be a good few months of getting awards season contenders out while also still having a good mix of blockbusters playing catch up as well um it's i mean uh, nothing's shooting at the moment but they will be soon actually i I saw a thing today that um jurassic world dominion i think the the next one's called is going to be resuming shooting um shortly um and i saw somebody uh tweeting it's going to be interesting to see a jurassic world film shot like an antonioni production which uh (laughs) made me laugh um but yeah it's 
the the way this is going to free up film schedules now is is going to be fascinating um i mean like do i think west side story moves from christmas uh, this year no but things that were maybe planned to open within a couple of weeks of it that were also oscar botherers will probably fuck off to january and february um it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out but for UK audiences, I think it will be good because I think we'll be much more likely to get the films around about the same time as the US. Uh, you know, it's like we usually have this kind of divide where the US kind of get it with these films like around Thanksgiving and Christmas and then we get them January, February. Now, I think it will just be big films, Thanksgiving and Christmas, which we'll also get. And then the Oscar films in the early part of 2021, which we will also get. It's interesting, though. It's interesting. Um... The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. Ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put, putting four and five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like if they didn't know what death was before this, they're gonna know it after it. They're gonna know it after it, and they're gonna be freaking terrified. And they're gonna be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, The Dark Knight has got like all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're gonna die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I see ghosts, y'all. I see ghosts. What happens uh, to all of us, man? Have you seen them too? Yeah. Huh. Dad, come to you at night. Huh? Stormy Nam comes to me down there every night. Now he talk to you. Like he talk to me. Come on. Come I don't on. think so. Come on. Fish up. Get in there, David. Get in there. Put your fist up, David. Come on. Go, you too, Van. Go ahead. Fist up, man. Come on, Paul. Let's! Let's move on to a film which may well have some Oscar talk next year. 
Um, it's going to have to have a long old fucking road to April 25th or whenever that was. Um, I mean, fucking wow. Um, but could Delroy Lindo get anything for Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, which stars Delroy Lindo, um, Clark Peters, Jonathan Majors, Isaiah uh, 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 Whitlock Jr. and uh, others. So this is the story. Oh, Chadwick Boseman's in it as well, but not for as much as of it of it as as you probably think. Um, so the Five Bloods, um, Vietnam vets come back to Vietnam, uh, ostensibly to find the remains of their old commanding officer, uh, Stormin Norman, played by Chadwick Boseman, but they also want to find some gold that they found. And so begins an odyssey of uh, gold making people mad and um, some of the most fucking surprising gore you may ever see. Um, Well, I wasn't ready for that bit, I must say. Um, Becky, the five bloods, thoughts? Um, It's it's an odd one because obviously... Naturally, you're going to compare it to something like Black Klansman, because... Spike Lee movie that came out a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's nowhere near the level of Black Klansman. It's not as polished, it's not as... It doesn't make as much sense. It's very chaotic um, with what's going on. Um, but, it, I mean, it's unfair, really, to, to compare it to, to Black Klansman, in a way. You know, it's it's a Netflix movie for a start. So that kind of comes into it. Um, But it's also, I mean, they're different creatures, aren't they? Um, I I mean, I I really, I really liked it, but like I said, I I, I just, I I couldn't not compare it. mentally. Um, I think the acting's all really good in it. Delroy Lindo is magnificent in it. He's, he made me dislike Delroy Lindo, who I really like, because he acted being a dickhead so well. So does that. <laughs> um, the guy that played his son, I thought he was really good, because um, obviously he comes into it as a bit of a late addition. But he was kind of the the more engaging one, I suppose. He was he was quite a nice kid. He was quite charismatic. He was funny. Um, Whereas the other lot were just like crotchety old men, so um, but yeah, no, it, it was good. But yeah, the um, the landmine scene that it, it goes in on the gore on that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty fucking brutal. Like I, I um, w- with that scene, I kind of knew it was coming. It kind of like you you felt the kind yeah, of the yeah. rhythm of what was going to happen, and it does. And then, but then when it cut like cuts back to him and he's just fucking screaming um mm. and like just half of his body's not there um you know i kind of like i kind of like laughed at first just when I was like it almost felt a bit like a moment in tropic thunder or something like that where it's just <laughs> like they're like shout 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 bang yeah but then that it, it yeah and yeah, I think Lee was probably intentionally playing with you there, but yeah, yeah, uh, I very much agree there. Mark, what, what, what do you think? Um, 
it's pretty good. It it doesn't feel its length, so it doesn't feel like it's a two and a half hour movie. Um, because it gets the it gets a good sprawling nature to it. Mm. Um, I always like the fact that um, Lee, when he did Black Klansman, did it in in a very much a he used his voice, but you could tell he was being serious, if that makes sense, because mm. he didn't he didn't use as many of the um, affectations that he can use within it. Whereas this, he's more a little bit off the leash and he's going for it with, he's got a lot more, he's got an unbelievable amount of creative freedom and Spike Lee always likes to operate within creative freedom. Um, it's why his highest budget movie ever is still only around $50 million. Mm. But as well, he seems to be having a, having a lot of fun with doing this and this, but still trying to tell a serious story. Um, and I liked all of that. There's some interesting bits, like the idea of um, having, you know, the older characters playing them young, their younger selves. Yeah, that was a it, choice. It's an interesting choice, and I like it. I'll be honest, it didn't work no. for me, but I appreciate what Spike was going for mm-hmm. there. Um, the accent's all fantastic. I do think the a lot of the characters are, are underdeveloped. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Which irked me. I there's a lot of it that really worked for me. It's a really, really good film. But there's a lot of it that personally I think Spike was trying to say something, but I don't think it quite it, it quite might say it or I didn't understand it, maybe. Um I do that there's one key moment I get I get with the crux of Delroy Lindau's character mm. of, of pitching him how they pitch him. I do think that the MAGA hat was too far. Yeah, it was a bit too, too it, much. For it me. was too much. I, I do quite like the moral muddiness of the movie, though. Like, they're not good guys, really. They're going to hunt for treasure, which really is kind of appropriating another country's money. Yeah. That should be given back. That should be given to the authorities. And obviously, there's the there's the Delroy Lindo, Delroy Lindo character and... and that he's, he's, he's representing, um, you know, a cross section of the population that I think maybe a lot of people don't think that that black Trump supporters don't really exist. That Trump's just made them up, but they do. And a lot of people think that they're all the Republicans. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like the fact that you mixed his his PTSD with gold fever. Yeah. So you had that. There was that. Um, it was a little bit Treasure of Samadra in the fucking jungle. <laughs> and I really liked that about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, something else to talk about for a little bit. George. George. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a big Spike Lee fan. Um, and given the fact that he, he tells stories in a way that only he can tell stories. And I mean, yes, he can shoot the hell out of, uh, uh, shoot the hell out of stuff, but it's the voice of Spike Lee that attracts most to his films. And and I, I do see, like, it, it, maybe the, the start of the 2000s going on for a few years, I think he lost that for a, a bit. Um, like, sort of after the 25th hour, that, that anger that he had in his earlier films sort of seemed to seep out a little bit. Um, and, and, yeah, those... 
intelligent sociological lessons that he used to sort of carve out with his films, like these sort of high moral tales. But I really do think he has found his voice again. And either that be the current political climate and who we do, who the Americans do have as president. Um, but for me, it's the collaboration with Kevin Wilmot. So Kevin Wilmot's been um, a writer on the three his three last films, Black Klansman, Chirac, um, who which I literally only watched yesterday, and The Five Bloods. And I think he's found his muse again with Kevin mm. Wilmot because he has that anger back and he has those tales running through his stories. He's telling the he's telling Spike Lee stories again. He's yeah, and Spike he, Lee movies again. He's a very and, He's a very intelligent and very entertaining storyteller in the way that he tells stories. Like you said there, John, he has a, he has a way of telling those stories. But he's, in terms of, he's such a film geek that he can do it in such a, a pleasant way, in the same way as Tarantino can do it, in the same way as Scorsese can do it. In that way, they are. I'm going to use that wanky phrase. They are such students of cinema yeah. that they can they can do this, but it make it seem like their own voice by collecting from bits and throwing it out there. It's and Spike, he, he does that in such a wonderful way. Absolutely, and I think I think stuff that people said about underdeveloped characters, etc., etc. I think are valid arguments, but I mean, I had an absolute ball with this film. I think I may have maybe liked it more than than Becky and Mark. Um, and part of that you get is Delroy Lindo I'm a big Delroy Lindo fan and he is absolutely incredible in this He's I like the whole sort of the the, the El Dorado angle and the, the sort of descent into madness that, that he goes through and he has a, a piece to camera in this movie which is just electrifying when yeah. you watch when you watch somebody that good just play with his craft you cannot help but just applaud it um, and yeah, and I, I just love the whole vibe of it. Like even like the environment that it's set. Like it feels hot, it feels sweaty, it feels very that feeling that you will get when you watch Apocalypse Now. And there's never a scene where people just aren't dripping, and it feels humid and clammy. And that sort of environment that does turn people a little bit mad because they can't get any respite of it. Um. But yeah, I I really did enjoy it. I watched it on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it did not feel two and a half hours long. I liked what it was saying. I liked the way it was said. I mean, when you you do get to that landmine scene, there's a part of me that thought, right, is the last hour of this film going to be like a a wages of fear style? They're trying to just get through this landmine without blowing up. Because that would have been quite interesting. But I also did like the way that it went as well. Um, yeah, it, it it does embrace that chaos that he has, and I applaud you for that. I really did enjoy it. Nice. No, I mean it's um um I after Black Klansman uh be, like being such a, a high point for me with the the Spike Lee films I've seen it. I suppose maybe a ever so slightly mild disappointment would probably be the most appropriate way of uh, describing Defy Bloods for me. Um, it's weird that a film about the KKK 
is more entertaining than a film about Vietnam vets searching for lost gold. Um, and, and maybe that's being a bit too broad. But, I, you know, I, I think that Black Klansman, it's the walnut with a, uh, being smashed with a sledgehammer approach to what he had to say about race and how little things have changed, which is absolutely appropriate for Black Klansman. Um, and if anything, I think... So I, I could have done with a bit more of that in some aspects with the five bloods like it, it the first hour or so there's an awful lot of kind of like talk talking about black history and the, the plight of black vietnam vets in um uh in in in, in or soldiers in the vietnam war i mean you got that um hanoi hannah who says that what was it like uh 10 of the american population were black but uh, black uh, people made uh, up like a third of the yeah, US. 11% of the population of the population that were eligible to go to the uh, Vietnam oh, War go. were black and uh, 36% of the actual GIs were black. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so you got that being, you got the, the, the kind of stunning scene where um, they're disagreeing with Stor- uh, Stormy Norman. They just heard about uh, Martin Luther King. Um and they're like, this is fucked. Why are we even doing this? And then Stormy Norman's like, no, we, you know, we've got, we've got to do this. I, I thought that was a really good scene in its moment, but with like the larger narrative, it didn't actually mean all that much. It's, um, you know, it, and it, it kind of gives you a, a bit of a false flag as to what the, uh, the revelation with um, Chadwick Boseman's character is going to be. It's like, you know, Delroy Lindo's hiding something about Stormy Norman, like just because of the, the fucking trauma that's inflicted. So the fact that it's basically he just accidentally shot him. I mean, I get it. I, I get that 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 is stressful. But from a, a film that's been kind of like holding back exactly what happened for a couple of hours for it to just be that it's a little a little bit dramatically dis- anticlimactic, I suppose. Um, but yeah, Delroy Lindo's fucking amazing. Um the other guys ever so slightly melt into the background a little bit, I think, because of how forceful Delroy Lindo is. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jonathan Majors. Oh, Jonathan Majors um, acting when uh, you've got that scene of him just sipping on the orange juice, just stood with them all looking seemingly down on him to give him shit about the fact that he's just turned up. His his facial acting in that is incredible i think he's very good in it yeah 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 I, no, no. he's yeah i like the fact that paul walter hauser just keeps turning up in random stuff and being great as well yep, yep he's solid it was nice to see him make it out alive um and yeah i mean like there's the, 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 the there's the kind of the hopeful nature at the end which contrasts quite nicely with how entertaining black clansman is but then how like depressing the ending is and and thought-provoking the ending is um you know but just that you know the people mover thing that spike lee uses a lot um that that kind of shot where they're moving but they're not moving i i love what like that in this just um uh otis and um the 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 lady uh tian or i think her name is just kind of like smile oh no the, the daughter like smiling at the camera is lovely um yeah i i just i it if if the anger of the first half kind of played into the second half more i think i would have liked it more in a way 
just the fact that the second half does basically get quite plotty. Yeah, it, it is. It is about the twists and the turns, and you know they're 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 decent. And I'll be honest, but I, I forgot Jean Renault was in it until he turned up again towards the end. It was like, oh shit, yeah, okay, he's the wrong and fair enough. And then, but then again, nothing really surprising happens there. What's going to happen? Okay, Jean Renault is going to get killed. Right, great. Um, it's a good film. It's a it, it is a very good film. It it is just I was. Oh, oh, I, I is mean, there a little bit of you that says that thinks it, it, it's a really good four out of five film? I just I thought I might have been getting a five out of five. Film. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I ran a little bit with it. Yeah, I I thought I was but it's really and, good. Yeah, I, I mean that's so bad because it's really fucking good, <laughs> and none of us have spoken about that scene with them in the club. the apocalypse now thing is just glorious. It's fantastic because every one of those you're looking at them going, every one of you guys there looks cool as fuck doing what you're doing right now. I didn't like that scene. I, I that loved scene it. Cheesy. I like the fact that it was cheesy, mm. but I believed that those characters would do that. Mm. Yeah. I, I think Melody that... Thierry in anything is just a joy. Yeah, I mean, I will say as well, like, I think, I mean, Chadwick Boseman has a small part in this, but I do believe he is wasted in Marvel movies. Like I've seen him in a few different performances, and yeah. he's way better than people think he is. Like I, I thought he was tremendous in these in the small things that he actually had to do. Yeah, um, I think I, I absolutely agree with that because I, I think he's crap in the Marvel films. I think yeah. I think he's really one dimensional. And then when you see him in something that isn't where he isn't playing Black Panther, and you go. Oh God, he's a really charismatic actor. Yeah, he was good in this. I, I, the, the brief amount of time that he was actually on screen was he, he was very good. I, I was quite surprised by that when I saw it was him. I all remembered it was him. I was like, oh for fuck's sake, it's Chadwick Boseman. But yeah, <laughs> I love I love the um, really really sort of um, put out there shifts in aspect ratio as well. They always work to a T. Yeah, yeah, I bet you were loving that, Ian, weren't you? Oh no, I mean it's very, uh, it's very cummy, yummy. That is, um, you know, it's uh, it, it, fantastic. And I, I will say as well, I mean, like it look, it look, it looks fantastic in 4K. Um, just throwing that out there, and I, I bet it sounds incredible in Dolby Atmos as well. Um, and yeah, I, it, it's just, it's, it's great that Spike Lee's been given this money. Like it must be like the biggest budget film he's done in what at least a decade like at least a decade it, it's, um, it's his second biggest budget film ever well after what inside man yeah which was just which was 45 million which was the same at roughly as this that's crazy i mean you know the fact this was 45 million i mean fair play you know he gets its production value up the fucking wazoo you think of artemis oh, foul okay. costing you know artemis foul costs what like two and a half times as much three times as much um and you you get this. I mean, it, that's 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 impressive. But no, I mean the the aspect ratio stuff was brilliant. I thought narratively it made sense. Um, you know, kind of like the sixteen millimeter looking shit of like the the four three when they're like back in the day. Brilliant. Love the decision to not fucking de-age them or cast different actors. See, that yeah, I really well. I really enjoyed that because it yeah. just it made it feel more like reminiscent than just retelling. 
I think that's what they were going for. It, yeah. it, it, it's like it, it made, it's just in their minds, isn't it? It made sense sort of in the film. I mean, it it didn't work for me, but what I do think in my mind, I also in my brain, I'm saying is that because I couldn't make the disconnect, and if they had have used younger actors, would I have would it have would it have pulled me further away from them? Probably. So I think it was just the fact that I was a little bit like, oh, all right, but. Wait, what? That's kind of threw me a little yeah. bit. I think on a rewatch, I think this film will go up for me, to be honest. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I could see that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought somebody was going to say something. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see it going up on rewatch, but I, I am a little bit disappointed that I think Lindo aside, I don't think we're going to get Lee versus Nolan versus Fincher. Um, I you you may because I mean actually we haven't spoke about it yet, but like could this film be released at a much like at a, at a more prime time? It, um, it, it's it's it feels very now. It's just could you imagine Black Klansman being released now? That would that that would be like get like what get out did in 16 or 17 it would i think it would be that level of zeitgeist um i think i you know i think maybe the length does this film a disservice i think like the the, the fact the, the fact that it, 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 it it's it's just not as biting for me um no i i think after we finished watching it, it, it didn't have quite had the bite of Black Klansman. That's it. I think I think that's maybe why I'm a bit nonplussed by it. It's because it's like you watch Black Klansman and it it makes you rethink things and it's it's very like you say it's very biting. It's very it, it's a bit of a gut punch. Whereas this isn't. It's a bit it's a bit more. But it's really guilty. fucking good though. But I think as well, it's like it does have that entertainment value as well, though. Because yeah. I mean, you, you you talk about black handsman, I know that yes, it's. But again, it's it's a black man infiltrates the KKK. That in itself is a hell of a lot more of a a biting tagline than the Five Bloods, because you've got a hell of a lot more. You you can actually drill into the comedic value of that as well. Mm. I, I I suppose it's just the fact that. Like, like I said, it's like the first hour, there's a lot of points being made. And like, the, you know, the footage um, at the start where it's almost like this just this 10 minute montage of, of scene setting, which is brilliant. And then the, 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 the second hour or like the last hour and a half, it is basically the plot. There's there's not an awful lot more. And I mean, like, I think Delroy Lindo really gets great shit to do there. Um and I mean Isaiah Whitlock Jr. with the shit, <laughs> um, b- fucking. Br- I was waiting for him to do that all the way through the fucking film, because um, you know he's in one scene in Black Klansman and he does it very quickly. And so you know it's just like you're just waiting, 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 and that that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, the, 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 that that last hour and a half, it is. You know, and fair play, it's got to tell a plot. But at the same time, it didn't really feel... It felt like it was going away from the stuff that it was saying. And I don't know, it was almost like, did he think, shit, I'm being a bit too angry and I just need to tell a story here? 
uh which i'm sure he i'm sure he didn't i just i don't know i i I wish it was angrier and given the amount of fucking people who die in this film you kind of expect it to be um and and i I will say uh, one other mild criticism as well i thought delroy lindo's like after they pull his the son from the explosion and then immediately it's like right fucking tie them all up and like that that turn there felt a little bit too quick to me um but i i i don't know if if nobody else thought that that might just be my my interpretation of it but it was it was weird it's like right you just saved my son from this like landmine now i'm going to tie you all up I, I just think it, it played more at the fact that he is just absolutely fucking broken beyond repair by that right, point. Okay. And it, it, even something that emotional happening can't stop him from just going snap. But yeah, right, fair enough. Yeah, I think he, I think I think his mind's just completely on the gold and thinking like, okay, these guys can take my gold. Mm. Yeah, literally the fact that he he's waiting to just fucking his son becomes not his son because he's just gone he's got he's got gold fever mm. fair enough fair enough um it feels like we're maybe wrapping up on that so um i'm gonna ask what everybody thought Ooh, definitely not shit yeah definitely not shit yeah definitely not shit for me might be yeah. half a star talking about it guys. yeah yeah because it's really fucking good Oh, fair enough. Uh, uh, yep, yeah, I uh, I am. What I will say there is as well is fantastic use of Marvin Gaye's uh, acapella version of what's going on. Oh, oh yes, fucking hell. Yeah, the, the, you know the, the the fact that he uses that version, not the original recording version. It is just, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, you you get this, you get this, you, you're on this. Well played. Actually, that, the, the, that's the thing about actually, oh, and I, I know we said we were actually um thing it up but no no it's cool it's cool like um spike lee's scores always are incredible the use of like the really dramatic like trumpets and brass instruments they just amp up all the drama i mean i don't, I don't know if you guys know what i'm talking about but like yeah he his scores are very similar throughout his films mm-hmm. yeah and they just always add that bit of gravitas and that bit of that bit of extra oomph that I think is just oh, I, I, I just love them I could, I could listen to them all day just like really like ominous deep like brass instruments do it for me yeah I mean uh, Terence Blanchard is is one of his like key 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 collaborators and uh, I like very much took off of um, what Bill Lee did um, uh, before he kind of past even though it makes me laugh spike lee always talks about how his dad hate like hates movies and yet there he is doing like the music for some of his like uh, early really important work um but yeah no absolutely george his um like his his fucking sense of music is like maybe unparalleled with with major directors going going back to say black landsman but that black landsman theme just adds so much to that movie. Just the way that you can do that with kind of brass, you can do that with guitar. Like that, that theme is very, very flexible given the, um, given the kind of like the moment of the, um, the score. It can be sad, it can be triumphant. Mm. It's yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. 
Uh, our audience poll. Sorry, I'm guessing Ian, you said definitely not shit, didn't you? Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Our audience poll for that was definitely not shit, 79%. Touching cloth, 14%. And shit, 7%. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Shit, 7%. Yeah. Okay. A bit harsh. Um. Right, George. I don't know uh, how you're doing at the time. Um, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Well, let's do what we've been. What does anybody want to take a break? By the way, does anybody need the toilet or anything? Yeah, I'm good. You took your daddy in. <laughs> I'm all right. It, so now you'd be better off trying and then not looking no, no, it later. No, it's it's not that. It's just like I know that like if like if I drink during the podcast, I usually need a wee by now. So um, maybe that's just a comment on my bladder than anything else. I don't know, but fine. Um, so um, let's do some uh, what we've been watching. George, why don't you kick us off? Well, to be honest, up until last what Friday. I hadn't seen. I mean, we. I haven't watched a film up, up until last Friday, which was the twelfth of June. The last film that I watched was on the tenth of May. Um, I just, lockdown. It's just been a lot of a lot of TV, a bit of gaming, and stuff like that. I just have not had the motivation to watch films. But in the last what five days? What what is it? The, no, last three days I watched eight films. So. Yeah. I st- started it off. I mean, obviously that includes the Five Bloods and Atmos Foul. But I want a bit of um, I felt like watching a bit of Al- Almodovar, um, and to be honest, it's a, it's, a, it's a director that I haven't watched everything of. I watched a bit of, but I want, I'm trying to fill in my gaps. And so I started off with um, Time Me Up, Time Me Down, um, which I hadn't seen before. And this is a story of a young, troubled, uh, mentally troubled person who kidnaps an actress to make her fall in love with him. Um, Stars Antonio Banderas, a very young Antonio Banderas, who is so, so good in the film. But what I really enjoyed mostly is you can tell, as we're talking about Spike Lee, we're talking about Tarantino and Scorsese, but as a student of cinema, you can tell this this comes from somebody who's watched a lot because you have a hell of a lot of De Palma in there. You have a hell of a lot of like the Italian horror, even a tiny bit of giallo in there at the beginning. And it is unnerving and unsettling, but also quite charming at the same time. And that's a very, very tight, like a very thin tightrope to walk because some of the people make very questionable choices, especially the the, 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 the lady who, he, um, the actress who he kidnaps um, in the end. But, yeah, it's it's a very interesting watch. It's only what well, I think it's an hour and forty five, so it's not too long. But if you haven't never seen Time of Time Down, I'd really, really recommend it. Obviously the Five Bloods Atmos far we watched. And so I followed I followed up um Time of Time Down with another Antonio Banderas film, um, The Mask of Zorro, which I hadn't seen in absolute years. And damn is that film good. Um, Any chance you watched it in 4K on iTunes? It's now I did. In 4K it, was, it, it was 3.99 this yeah. Monday. How does it look? It looks fantastic. Yeah. It looks right. brilliant. I mean, if it's 3.99, definitely pick it up. Yeah. But like, it's it's just pure entertainment. It's like one of those 
very good action adventure movies. And even when I've watching seen that it, since the cinema, honestly, it, it holds up. To be honest, because I think it must have been at least God fifteen years since I've seen it, if not more. And like even when watching, it, I was thinking this has a very Disney vibe to it. Like those really good, like 12 year Disney movies, like action adventure. And I kept on thinking like, you can see the, the blueprints of Pirates of the Caribbean in it. And then when I went on IMDb, of course it's written by Ted Elliott and the Pirates of the Caribbean crew. Um, so you can actually see where they were getting their, their inspirations for Pirates there. But definitely watch it. Anthony Hopkins is fantastic. Antonio Banderas is very, very charismatic, and Catherine Cedar Jones is really good in it, actually. Um, I mean, she's smoking, smoking in it, but that's not it. But sh- Martin Campbell shoots it within an interview's life. It feels very old timey, feels very um, sort of nostalgia driven, which is really, really good. Um, next up, what did I watch? I watched, um, I, was, I was going to watch Crooklyn, um, but. I didn't have the two hours, so I watched uh, actually a film on YouTube called The Soul of the Game, which is a baseball film, which is starring Delroy Lindo, which was one of the main reasons of um, watching it, because I wanted to watch some more Delroy Lindo. Um, And for those who like Delroy Lindo, I know last time I was on this podcast, I talked about it, but he's one of the main characters in The Good Fight. Go watch it. But Soul of the Game is about Satchel Page, who's played by Delroy Lindor, and Josh Gibson, who's played by McKelty Williamson. And it's about the the, the Black League uh, baseball of the 40s um, and when they were transitioning to um, sort of trade in black players into the Major League Baseball, which hadn't been done. Now, these uh, guys were on the same team um, was in the same league, but Delroy Lindo, Satchel Page was in the same team as Jackie Robinson. Now, Jackie Robinson obviously was the guy who went to the major leagues and became a Hall of Famer, but Satchel Page and Josh Gibson were the two best players uh, of that league. Satchel Page was like 42, but he was a pitcher. He was one of the best. And Josh Gibson at the time was probably the best baseball player in the world. Um, but the reasons why they picked Jackie Robinson and not, not to go back on anything like what he did in his career, but because he was a bit more of a vanilla, of a vanilla choice. He was, he was an army man. He was college educated. He, he was new, not knew not to have a temper, knew not to drink, knew not to do whatever. Um, so it's trying to understand the way he's like, even though it was great that Jackie Robinson got this opportunity that what would have happened if these two these two people would have got it because they may have made more of an impact, um, or they may have made not or they may have actually knocked it back history a little bit of time. So it's actually it's it's a nice little um, film which I say is on YouTube if you want to give it a watch. Hmm, nice. What I watch? Uh, I watched the Da Vinci Code. I don't know yes. why. Yes. <laughs> so. I heard you guys talking about it and I was like I'm going to watch it and you for me it's too as well. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I will, but like I, I like the I like the Da Vinci Code book. It's trash, but it's 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 a um it's a train station book. You pick it up, you read it on a train. It's a page turner, and I kind of kind of like it for that. But the film is, I mean, for, for me, it's straight down the middle. It's like a five out of ten movie. 
when it's on, I enjoy it, but it's totally forgettable. Like Tom Hanks is sleeping through it, Oriu Tatao is sleeping through it. Some of the directorial choices that um, Ron Howard makes are just so obvious and kind of film schooly that you don't, you can't even understand how this guy is an established director. But it, when it's on, you get sort of wrapped up into into the fairy tale of it all. And the last one is um, Chirac, which is, I mentioned before, which is a film a few years, 2015 from Spike Lee. And I don't know, I can't remember if you guys have watched it. Have you guys watched Chirac before? Yeah, we, no. No, we were going to this week. Yeah, we were going to this week. We should get around to it. No. I freaking loved Chirac. Uh, um, it is incredibly watchable. I mean, the whole sort of... Um, rhyming aspect of the film and what it's having to say about um chicago and black culture and, and guns and like the, the 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 oppressive nature of of that city and of um the race issues is dissected and entertaining and you've got samuel L. jackson who just sort of interlopes with these like sort of like greek choruses being just so so samuel L. jackson that it makes Nick Cannon not seem terrible, which, to be honest, is actually decent in the movie, which surprised me. But it's it's led from its female cast, and all of them. I mean, it's it's wonderful to see just like the whole female empowerment in such a way that it's shown like how they literally do hold all the power. I mean, obviously the film is about trying to stop gang war. So the way this tried, the females try and stop gang war is by literally being abstinent from their partners <laughs> and saying, basically, if you're not going to be peaceful and not fight, you're not getting any. And it seems so <laughs> trivial, but it's, it is superly entertaining and quite powerful. But, yeah, I mean, Chirac, Black Klansman and The Five Bloods there's three really, really good films. And I think Spike Lee's on a bit of a renaissance and a bit of a um a bit of a great little kick, um, which is probably to do with the, the environment that we live in at the moment because he is such a such a unique and such a an impressive voice. Yeah, he, he he's the right voice to be existent at the moment. absolutely. And he's he's the right person to make these sorts of movies and I'm happy that he is. But that that's it from me. Okay, very good. Nice one, George. That was a, a really fucking eclectic selection. That fair play. That's <laughs> a good effort. Um, right, uh, Mark, Becky? Bex, do you want to do your own shoot watch? So, like, I haven't watched anything solo this week. Have you not? You're a lazy bitch. I am a lazy piece of shit. You are. Yeah. No. Well, all right, you two, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I, I will say, man, I watched a day after tomorrow. Why? Why? Because I like disaster movies. And it's because. Uh, you got to bed and we hadn't had dinner for some reason, I don't know why uh, I hadn't had dinner, uh, I, so I watched it with a bowl of shreddies and a cup of tea and it was glorious <laughs> that's tragic I, fuck you, it wasn't, it was brilliant images now of if we ever broke up or I died or anything, you're just sitting in a bed sitting in your pants eating cereal for dinner and watching I mean, shit movies crunching a cornflakes at every meal oh, lovely cornflakes are amazing, with banana on bowl of sh- the bowl of shreddies sat here the bowl of shreddies sat, <laughs> and I was like, right, what can I watch? Day after tomorrow, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Loved every second of it. Go yeah. on, what are you watching, you know? 
on my own, I watched uh, the end of Crybaby. Did you just watch the end? I've watched the beginning. I've watched part. the beginning. Right. I mentioned this last week. Okay. I'd watched the beginning of Crybaby. I watched the end of Crybaby. It's. Do you know what? It's actually really good fun. Is Crybaby. I remembered. I remembered, like liking it, but in like a it's really shit, but I liked it anyway kind of thing. It's actually really good. It's it's good fun. The hatchet face lady is a bit disconcerting, but apart from that, it's all it's all good. Uh, Tracy Lords in it. Yeah. Um. The girl that plays the good girl is actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> the weird uh, game of chicken they play at the end is hilarious. And Ricky Lake giving birth to a baby in the back of a car that's been like, they're playing chicken and they're on the roofs. And it's just, it, it's it's mad. It's a mad film, but it's actually really good fun. Um, and obviously Johnny Depp, back when he used to be pretty. So that's always good fun. Um, I also on my own watched uh, Ghost World because when I finished Crybaby, it came up with a suggestion. People who watch this often watch these. So I was like, ah, I haven't well, seen why, not? Why, why the fuck not? So yeah, I've not seen Ghost World in absolutely years and probably was a lot more sympathetic to how annoying the characters are when I watched it last time because I was closer in age. Watching it now as a as a late thirties grown up, you're just like, oh god, you're so you're so fucking insufferable. It's like that that um, meme that does around every once in a while of Ariel out of the Little Mermaid saying, "I'm not a child anymore. I'm 16." And it's like, you fucking are. It, they are <laughs> so annoying in this movie. Scarlett Johansson less so, but Thora Birch is just so. Oh god, yeah really pissed me off um but there's there's some quite nice character development in there and they go on a little bit of a growing up journey and there's you know it's, it's quite nice it's it's not as good as i remember it being but hey ho um and that's that's it really that's all i watched on my own we watched ant-man didn't we in our continuation of the we did what is it we've got there we've got the civil war man yeah i've got civil war where it's pretty much plain sailing from now it is uh Ant-Man's still really entertaining, uh, but feels quite insignificant. It really does, actually, yeah. Because I think, obviously, when you've got gaps between the releases and and you sort of, you do a bit of a rewatch, but, you know, not not necessarily the whole fucking thing, it feels really lightweight, doesn't it? Yeah, Michael Pearl is still, um, still proves that he's possibly one of the best things in the Marvel Universe. When he's, when he's explaining things. Yeah. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Douglas, you mean? I mean Michael Pena. Oh, sorry, I think you said Michael Caine. I, was like... <laughs> I yeah, I thought you said Michael Caine as well, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael Pena. Yeah. You need to stop just letting him get away with this shit, Ian, because that's why he I thinks it's okay. Pena. Yeah, but he thought you said Michael Caine, and he was just gonna let you run with it. <laughs> just let you be wrong. That's the power I have. No, it's not. <laughs> it's because the then you'll just get you'll just get worse and worse, won't you? It's it's, it's not respect, Mark. It's because I feel sorry for you. <laughs> That's the respect I have. No, you need to fucking call him out and make him look dumb. Uh, we we, we rewatched Inception. That not dirty was, bitch, sorry. Not, <laughs> not knowing that it was going to be coming back out in cinemas. I mean, we'll probably still go watch it. We'll anyway. probably still go watch it anyway at the cinema because we're terrible people and we want the destruction of mankind. Um, I don't think we do, do we? I don't know, but I think if we go and watch that at the cinema, some people will say that. 
we will be uh, so responsible for a second peek. Uh, if, they, if they show Inception on your IMAX screen, it's going to have some Tenet footage. Apparently, it's going to have some other Warner Brothers like film footage. I imagine there'll probably be some Wonder Woman in there. That's going to be some fucking good watching. Oh, I, I, I will absolutely fucking do that. Yeah, uh, Inception's great. It's just really high class filmmaking. Um, and it doesn't, even though over the past 10 years, I've maybe watched it six or seven times. It's still a really entertaining watch. It's still a really great film to watch. It still has a lot of um, punch within it. Uh, the acting's all great. The, the great thing about it as well, though, is like whatever you've decided is the meaning of that movie from last time you watched it. You still fucking question it all the way through. Yeah. Where, where, where is he in a dream at the end still? You never see the top fall over. At what point, if he is still in a dream at the end, does he become in the dream? Is it all a dream? It's just it's it just makes the, you kind I, of. I also, well, I, I still have a I still have a theory of where I where I think he enters the dream. Mm. But at the end of it, I still say to myself, but do you know what? I'm happy with thinking that it that's it, he is back home even though he probably isn't. So I have a version that I think is right and a version that I'm happy with <laughs> in the same movie. Um, we what we rewatched The Martian, didn't we? We fucking did. It's great, The Martian. Uh, I think The Martian is one of the most outright entertaining prestige horror movies, and horror, the prestige um, Hollywood movies mm. of the past decade. It's... it's- it's so good <laughs> he is so good in it as well like it all hinges on him just being like this weird dickhead that's stuck on mars like he's just like bopping around dancing to disco planting potatoes calling him captain calling himself fucking captain whatever and a pirate captain and all Blombeard. Sorts of stuff. captain Blombeard. it's it's awesome and i think i i really disliked matt damon for quite a long period because you know it's something i do um, and I think it was The Martian that actually got me. Back round to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to go back and watch loads of stuff. And then what What? What? what other film did we watch this week, Max? What new film did we watch? We watched a film called Hangman. It, does Hangman. this have either John Cusack or Bruce Willis in it, or Nicolas it Cage? It, it, it has Al Pacino and the Lost Carl Urban. And what? The Lost Carl Urban. The Lost. The Lost. And Britney Snow. And Britney Snow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a classic for the ages, guys. It is. I'm not gonna lie. Um, They're both sounds. I can't wait. Yeah. So what it's about, is, <laughs> the film forgets this halfway through. Yeah. Is Carl Urban plays a um cop. A cop, but he used to be an FBI detective, but then he demoted himself to being a cop. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Britney Snow plays an investigative journalist who has been assigned to um, shadow him to do like a an inside piece on the police force. I think she displays some of the least investigative journalist behaviour. Yeah. Of any investigative, she's she's a worse investigative journalist than Tara Reid is. Tara Reid is a magnificent archaeologist, so you wash your fucking mouth out. <laughs> um, and Al Pacino plays a retired police officer who just comes out of retirement. He's literally retired for a scene. <laughs> the whole crux of this movie is based on 
It's based on somebody crashes into his car at the beginning of the movie. Not even crashes into it. Just sideswipes it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just just knocks a bit of paint off. Well, he appears to be parked in the middle of a traffic island. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one, that. Yeah. This film makes no sense whatsoever. Al Pacino falls over at one point towards the end and dies. After break up, <laughs> after break up a fight. Then he yeah. probably shouldn't even break up. I think he gets stabbed. I don't think he does. I think he bangs his head. No, I think I think the man stabs him. I don't stabbed. think he does. I'm sure he does. I, I don't think I'll he does. I think he bangs his head. Um, yeah. It, 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 it's not very good, is it, Bex? But I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, my, my, I enjoyed watching it for most of it. And I, I will be very forgiving of, like, thrillery type movies like this. They don't have to do an awful lot for me to enjoy them. But one of the main things is that the, the bad guy has to have a tangible motive. And the motive for this man killing numerous, like a lot of people, yeah. and then carving letters into them, hence the name Hangman, because he's, he's, doing, a, he's doing a word, is that Al Pacino... Yeah, and that, you're about to explain it, but you can't, can you? Al Pacino was the policeman that responded when his dad had hanged himself because they'd been evicted. Al Pacino didn't evict them. No. He wasn't a landlord. No. He didn't do anything to him. No. He's literally just there. But, uh, and because of that, you get a literal like three or four minute monologue where Al Pacino is essentially <laughs> apologising to this kid for not adopting him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I should have checked in. I'm sorry, this. maybe if I had checked in, you hadn't have killed all these people. Maybe if I'd have been a bit nicer. And you watch it going, in the flashbacks going, no, you seemed really quite nice to him. Yeah, I mean, he, he was fine. And the thing is, it's not it's not a short word, this man's spelling. He like I think he's killed a lot of people. It's a long word. Including Carl Urban's wife. Yeah. And oh my god, right? And so right, so what he does is he he leaves the people for them to find. Yeah. Doesn't he? With with the hangman letters and the gaps and stuff on a wall nearby or something, but the letter is carved into the person. What like and none of these people are related to anything that happened to him, are they? No. Nope. They're just random. Right. Like, they haven't done him wrong while nope. he's been in the foster system or anything like that. So so that that bit's out the window as well. But there's, there's, there's that man, that one man that he, he hangs and carves the letter and leaves him alive for a train to smash into him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's hanging from like a pole thing that overhangs a railway line. And they, they they work out that it's every twelve hours, is it? Yeah. And it, it, they then they, they they see this model railway and they're like, oh my god, he's at the railway. So they 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 go and they find this man and Carl Urban's like holding onto his legs and trying to lift him up so he doesn't hang. But they're also trying to somehow get him down so that the train doesn't smash into him. And and they fail. And they fail because because Carl Urban's still on top of the car doing it. Yeah. Al Pacino gets the car and just reverses it. <laughs> 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 and then Carl goes, I could have saved him, I could have saved him. And you could keep Pacino going, nah, you couldn't. <laughs> well, I think he reverses the car because it would have derailed the train. I think. Yeah. I think. And all, all, while all this is going on, Britney Snow is just in the background, just kind of looking at things. <laughs> yeah, not really 
Ian, what have you watched? Because I bet oh, that yeah. it was better than Hangman. Archer throws the killer off a staircase, but fatally strikes his head and dies. Yeah, yeah he, he, he dies with Bang dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the word, guys, is evictionum, right? So quite a lot of letters in there, which is the Latin for eviction. Then why not just eviction? Well, there's that. And also, more letters. He didn't fucking evict him. No, he didn't. It, 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 it makes no sense. But he did have no. the lost Carl Urban. He did have a lot of power, Yeah. I want to leave you guys because I'm currently melting. So okay, George, no worries, mate. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, John. Here's Film Her Movie. We are podsyndicate.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. Guys. I've, I've, I think George was just so turned on by... Your talk of Hangman. He's got to watch Hangman right now. Literally, Lauren is sat in the living room trying to watch him, but George has pushed her out of the way, grabbed the, what is it, <laughs> got, grabbed the remote, and hit Siri and gone, Hangman. <laughs> Let's get fucked. I know, I can't. <laughs> that was pretty good, though. Isn't it weird, though? Like, I can get so much more animated about a shit film. <laughs> What have you been watching him? Mark, can you do Restrepo for me, please? Restrepo! <laughs> yeah, okay. Good, good, good. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, bet he don't, I bet he won't listen to this bit either. So, uh, 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 good work, George. Uh, that's funny. Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, I watched, uh, watched a couple of things. Um found myself for some reason like sinking a few hours into gears of war five on the xbox and then just looking at myself and going why so um that kind of killed a night or two of uh, movie watching for me last week um so bad me um but yeah i watched princess mononoke um watched it with uh donna and lots first time watch for both of them it's interesting as well Lottie's kind of like film watching tolerance has completely gone in the toilet since we stopped going to the cinema. Um, If she's able to get through a film, it's in like two or three sittings and it's really, really hard to keep her attention. If, if, if like all is in her head really is I want to play Minecraft. (laughs) So, um, like she started watching Artemis Fowl with us, but like she was already against it because it starred a boy. It was a boy in the lead role. Um, I, I 100% agree with Lottie on this one. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And it was like fair play, like 10 minutes in, she just um, got her iPad out, stuck her headphones on. It was like, yeah, all right, fair, fair play, kid. You made the right decision there. <laughs> she did make the right decision. Um, but no, so we um we we put on Princess Mononoke and we were just thinking, well, we were going to watch it, but she'd probably watch 20 minutes and then just like click off. Um, film's like two and a quarter hours long, and she watched the whole thing start to finish with us. Um, which I I, I think gives a massive shout to what a film Princess Mononoke is. Um, you know, visually it's incredibly striking. I. I'd only seen it once before and it would, it must have, so it would have been my second year in uni cause I was living, yeah, I was living in Corn Street. Um, and we, uh, me, 
my uh, housemate at the time, Chris, and his girlfriend at the time, Joe, watched, and and our housemate Al, um, who, oh yeah, uh, Mark, you met Al uh, at my, um, yeah, yeah, stag and whatnot. He got um, fucking, just, yeah, wandered off in Manchester, and that that was uh, that was a fun end to the evening. Can I, can I put out why that happened to Al? Because on. went to uh, a bar called Port Street Tavern um, in Manchester. And they had a beer on that was a ridiculously high percentage. It was like, it was ridiculous. It was like, it was stupid, like 18%, stupid like that. So we all got a, a, a schooner, a, a three quarters of it, as our first pint in there. About three drinks later, I was like, what are you drinking out? And he went, are we still not drinking that blah? I was like, <laughs> no. And he'd had like four pints of it. <laughs> I was like, wow, have you just been drinking that? And he was like, yeah, I am, I am smashed. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, just um, that boy. He, <laughs> sorry, just a bit of a tangent, but it's funny. It's this uh, club we used to go to in Bristol, the level, um, like the the fucking basement bar. Once I felt like I just next to him. And the guy was just like, yeah, that'll be uh, three pounds, something or other. And then Al literally just gets his wallet out, digs around looking for, like, coins and whatnot, and just gets a load of receipts, and then just throws them in Barman's face. And it was like, and I just looked at him, and it was like, Al, what the fuck are you doing? And then the barman was just like, yeah, what the fuck are you doing? And then he immediately just jumps up on the bar, and they got more receipts out of his wallet and they just threw them at this guy as well. And um, he wasn't like the thing is, there's not a malicious bone in that boy's body. He was just so fucked that he honestly thought that if he threw receipts at the man, the man would let him have his drink. Um, yeah, he's something else. Um, but anyway, um, so, yeah, no, we, we all watched Princess Mononoke and the American remake of The Ring. Um, hell of a double bill that was. That? Sorry? What did Lots think of that? Oh, no, no, that was in uni, sorry. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, I can't wait for Lots to start watching scary movies, because she, every now and then, she's like, oh, I wouldn't, like, what, what, do you want, um, what are you going to watch tonight, Daddy, or scary movies? She was like, I don't think it would be scary. What's it about? And then I tell her, what, like, kind of what, what it's about, and then she'd be like, that doesn't sound scary. Just like, yeah, all right, fucking watch it then, kid. Like, let's let's watch five yeah. minutes of whatever the fuck I'm gonna put on and see what you think. But anyway, um, so yeah, no. Sorry. Mm, I'm gonna show you the ball Hellraiser. Need to find it. Oh, I can't deal with those films. Um, yeah, the <laughs> fucking no, they they wig me out. Do the Hellraiser films? Yeah. Um, they're fucking terrifying um that just yeah uh, anyway princess mononoke um yeah it, it, it's just it's visually very rich the, st- the the story's super super compelling um i like the fact that it kind of like you think it's going to be about the the boy but then it, like as it goes on it becomes more and more about princess mononoke and i i, I, I love how that develops um yeah it's you know, Miyazaki's obviously made some fucking seminal films, but it, it's 
really really up there as Princess Mononoke uh just fantastic film um isn't that Miyazaki's favorite of his movies I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere that he thinks it's his not his favorite he thinks that's his best movie it's it's lovely it's Princess Mononoke it's it's it looks so beautiful the story is you can show it to a, a smaller child and they'll get one thing out of it. And then as you gradually get older, the, the actual sort of themes become come more into play. Um, you know, the, the environmental stuff and all that kind of stuff. But what I love about Miyazaki's movies is generally the, the protagonist is female. Mm. It's some badass girl that's just just really capable and it's and I love that about it they're not they're not like superhero girls or anything like that they're just they're just fine at doing stuff like in the same way that a boy protagonist in a in a kid's movie would just be wouldn't need to be anything special about him he would just be doing boy stuff and it's it's really sort of it's not a big deal that they're girls to to the story it doesn't matter they could be boys it doesn't it wouldn't make any difference the it's just he chooses he chooses to have girls as his protagonists, and I and I really love that about about Miyazaki's movies. Yeah, yeah, no, abs- no. A- 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 absolutely. Um, they're either girl protagonists or protagonists that he personally really identifies with. So I mean, as as weird as it is, like Porco Rosso, it's like it's a man pig, but it's because he really fucking likes planes. And he, he he likes adventures, so that's that's who he is. Then yeah. the wind rises. It's like a, again a, a a guy who we just kind of felt a kinship with. But then you've got Ponyo, you've got Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Sotaro, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. You know, Nausicaa, um, all of these films. Um, which Moving Castle ostensibly is about the wizard Howl. Put it in. It's about yeah. Sophie. Yeah, 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 totally, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's um. I, I, I really, really want to try um, lots on some more Ghibli. Um, it's like Ponyo. I, try, I tried her on that a while back and she just didn't really connect with it. But I, I, I wonder now. Um, and it's like, frankly, I kind of need to get a film watching game back a bit for when the cinemas reopen again. Um, you know, it, it's like we all want to go and see Mulan. We've, we've all said, yes, we'll go see Mulan. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting outside of like the film Twitter bubble and whatnot. I said like, I said to Donna, oh, what do you think about going to the cinema? And she's like, yeah, fine. You know, what, what kind of measures do they put in place? I was talking about like social dis, like, you know, blocking up, cordoning off rows and like temperature checks and whatnot. And, you know, and, and she was just like, oh yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah. You know, it, it's um just out outside of that bubble. And I, I think also what percentage of film Twitter don't have to go out for their jobs. Yes, I uh, I have noticed that today with an awful lot of criticism being thrown at the the retail sector, and it's like we have to go to fucking work, dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quick tangent on that. Yes, people are queuing outside Primark. People haven't been able to buy, uh, maybe not been able to buy clothes for months. Kids can grow up fucking fast. Not 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 only that. In three months' time. There is, a, there. I would say, there will be more people that will have either come out of lock up, lockdown, having lost weight, 
or having gained weight than have stayed the same weight as they were when they were in lockdown. Yeah, definitely. Um, and therefore, it's there's also I think that if people want to start getting back to some semblance of just not getting back to normality, but doing something that just feels normal for mm. a case of, of, of the sheer mental health aspect of it yeah, yeah. Um, is that and oh, I think if they're queuing outside of Primark as long as they're staying two metres yeah, apart and they're following the rules the, who fucking cares the thing there is if you don't want to go and you don't feel comfortable don't then don't go but don't yeah, people who A might need to go or B might want to go but are doing it within a safe distance don't call them fucking arseholes or say why they're doing it. Because I'll tell you why they're doing it. Because A, they want to. B, if if retail didn't open now, there's a strong possibility we retail wouldn't have been able to open. And then that's an awful lot of people on the jobs market. Mm. You know, it, it, you can't take away a quarter of of businesses um earnings no. in a year and expect them to be still there no. it's, it, I, it's just we live in a capitalist society and no matter what you what your thoughts are on that if <laughs> if things are to function got we gotta start gotta start doing these kinds of things and if it's done safely like if it's done with the two meters then you know fair play my my worry is when the government say okay it's going down to one meter and then it's i'll, I'll be honest i'll be wearing a fu- I, i'll be wearing a fucking mask everywhere um well, to, to but, example, uh, we have in my store which isn't a huge store we can only allow nine people in this last bit of the tangent i'll do we can only allow nine people in at a time uh, that's if we've got two members of staff if we're three members of staff we're now six in i have a um hand sanitizing station at the front of the store there's hand sanitizer all around the store. There is gloves if people want to put gloves on um, as well. Um, we're all wearing gloves. We have masks that we can wear if we would like. Um, and it is the, the shop is cleaned so regularly. And we are working on limited duties. So there's things that we would normally be doing that we quite simply can't do because we want to have somebody at the front of the shop where anybody comes in saying to them, could you please sanitize your hands? If they don't do that, they don't get in because it keeps our unit as safe as possible. The only thing additionally that you could do would be to insist on masks and you can't do that. You can't do it because there's certain things like um, skin problems and respiratory problems yeah. and all sorts of, of, of things. And uh, also as well, a lot of our, a lot of our customers um, are of um, Asian descent and where... Um, face covers, burkas and hijabs and things like that. And I'm going to say to somebody, how, how does that work? Mm. And it, plus it's not masks, it's face yeah, covering. I mean, that would count as a face covering. It's face covering, yeah. But then it, it, there's, there's, there's so much that goes on with it mm. that, again, like we say, some seamless flammality has to start creeping back in. And as much as that is for people's welfare. Yeah. I was talking to a customer about it today and, and sort of explaining our situation. And obviously I've been back at work for over a month now. Today didn't feel weird to me. Yes, the door, but you know it's it's not really a high traffic store anyway. Is it? It's 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 a low volume, high value business. Mm. But for you, obviously, it's it must have been really weird going back. Really, I, I, it it was odd the fact that I have 
spoken to more people between 10 and 11 today mm. than I'd spoken to in three months. Mm. Yeah. You didn't get anyone giving you grief or anything, did you? What, about opening? Mm. No, not that open. Well, they won't, well, because they're there. They're, 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 that doesn't stop people. No, uh, no but it was, uh, it, it's going to be a a strange few weeks getting back into it. And without question, that there's going to be, at some point, I work for a big shopping centre, at some point, it, there's going to be a bit of a, oh, blah from blah has got blah. Mm-hmm. And then it's right, how does that affect everything else? Mm. I don't honestly don't think it will now. Oh no, there's never gonna be another lockdown. No, that's that's. I just can't see it. I can't. Can't afford it. The country couldn't. You could you could do localized lockdowns, but they'll fucking they'll restrict it to like individual towns, or I could see even maybe fucking like streets. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, will not get a lockdown. No. No, yeah, won't happen. So, and it's like, oh right, everyone who lives on here's got to got to self isolate because blah from number twenty three's got coronavirus. We don't have any contact no. whatsoever with our it, 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 it would be, let's say, the street we live down, if, if track and trace came out and it turned out that number one, two, three, and four of uh of, of where we live yeah. all contracted it, it would be right, that's a hell of a coincidence. Or if number one, number six, number seven, number twelve, and number fourteen got it. Mm. it within like a space a few days but there was no contact between them it'd be right something's happened then the mailman's had it or something like that bloody bin men moving on (laughs) um nice no yeah but yeah i don't know it just oh the thought of actually maybe being able to go to the cinema in four weeks time to watch uh inception you know that's exciting honestly that's exciting yeah you know I'll, I'll i will go out i will support i will happily watch inception in the cinema if it means i'm out in the cinema um kind of looking forward to seeing if um, anybody programs any other kind of older films for a week or so as well so um anyway um yeah so my other uh what i've been watching this week um did manage to catch up on a spike lee film i hadn't seen previously um mo better blues um yeah i really enjoyed it it's on um sky cinema and now tv if anyone's interested in the uk um so right from the start flavor flav talking over the universal logo big fan of that um and yeah it's it's spike lee just kind of like a bit more of a loosey goosey kind of freewheeling self just like jazz is really you know it kind of feels like the structure of the film kind of mirrors the music really it's um yeah so uh denzel washington uh kind of heads up a band that plays at a club that's run by uh john and nick totoro um his saxophonist wesley snipes is kind of getting ideas above his station you know they have uh rowls but it never really comes to anything um and washington is uh juggling a couple of a uh, couple of women um and it's it's kind of, it's about him and like it, it, how he doesn't really seem to be able to make any firm decisions in life um but then it's also about his like his best mate played by spike lee who's his manager who's also a gambling addict and he's constantly trying to kind of like like gamble his way out of trouble 
um, and uh, hide from those who are, are looking for money off of him. Um, it, it it's just kind of all over the place, really. But then, like the start and the end are this great kind of circular uh um kind of moment which um which i really enjoyed it's like it feels like the film once you get to the end of it it's like okay that that was the point of the film i understand that i like that but it kind of takes its time getting there it's uh it's about two hours long and um, there's kind of extended musical sequences which are great um there's this one um uh there's this one song in there where they're kind of like trying to it, it, you know, kind of talking about the corniness of love songs now they don't really mean anything, which is uh, which is fantastic, which was uh, co-written by um, Spike Lee. Um, it's just it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, I, I believe it was the film that he did um, straight after Do the Right Thing. It was. Um, yeah. And it, it's like it does feel like the pressure valve being uh, being kind of loosened a bit and, you know, just trying to go for um fun uh and and laid back and it works uh it's it, it's a good time is my better blues is it one of his classics no is it a really entertaining watch yes it is um yeah okay so man uh sh- fucking hell it's nearly nine o'clock um you guys all right to kick on yeah yeah cool okay so hey honey how was your day? I think there's someone following me. What do I do? Okay. Um, don't come back here, not yet. Uh, I'll meet you somewhere. Um, Central Square Mall. We can be sure. Okay, I'll meet you at the Happy Burger place. I'll be there as soon as I can. Do you think someone knows? No. No one knows. I'll see you soon. I love you, Dad. I love you, too. Silent Hill Revelation is written and directed by Michael J. Bassett and stars uh, Adelaide Clements, uh, Kit Harrington, Carrie Ann Moss, Deborah Kara Unger, um, and others. So uh, this picks up the story, um, what's it like? eight years later or something like that um and sharon is now known as heather um her mum a kind of like very short cameo from uh rather mitchell has given her back to um chris who is now harry uh they are running away from the order who are looking to take heather to um enable themselves to get out of Silent Hill. Um, But she is drawn to Silent Hill. She doesn't remember anything of what happened in the past, but she is drawn to Silent Hill and she is accompanied there by Kit Harrington. Um, Kit Harrington, Christopher Catesby Harrington, to give him his correct name. And Adelaide Adelaide Clemens is is not Michelle Williams. (laughs) It's blown your mind, Kit Harrington's full name, hasn't it? I knew it was Christopher. Christopher Catesby Harrington, though. My God. Yeah. That's a name. And yeah, Adelaide Clements is the the, the to a weird degree the spit of Michelle Williams. She is, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Michelle William type for this role, but she's a bit too old. Ah, have you heard of cloning? <laughs> oh, yeah. We got one that went a bit wrong. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Adelaide Clements does sound like a fake name, so I wouldn't be surprised. And has she ever been in anything again? Well, exactly. Exactly. Maybe it's like in, in um, what's that movie with ScarJo in it? The Island. Maybe mm. it's like that. They just they just cloned her just in case they ever needed a Michelle Williams type. And then they just put her back into deep storage. Yeah, that's fine. If if Michelle Williams ever makes a movie where there has to be like a, you know, a, a her younger self, like flashbacks and stuff, she's got you know to take her out of the freezer. There you go. That'll work. She's in Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Oh, is she? Yeah. Oh, she's Aussie, is she? She's what? Is she Aussie? I was just thinking, um, like, I'm pretty sure that film was shot in Australia, and uh, I'm going to have a look now. Born and raised in Brisbane. There you go. Um, <laughs> so was she? Okay. No, she's doing all right for herself. Wow, she's... Merla in Voltron Legendary Defender. Nice. That's, uh, that's a hell of a thing. Um, man, yeah, fair play. She's got some fucking credits. Um, ah, good on her. Fair play. She's still working. Okay, good. Uh, so, uh, Bex, what did you think of Silent Hill Revelation? I I absolutely love Silent Hill Revelation. I I I. I have always and will always love the first Silent Hill movie because I think the imagery is great in it. I love the story. I love the the world of the Silent Hill movies and the mythos behind it. Um, but as I, I don't know whether I've mentioned, but Silent Hill 3 is my favourite game mm. ever. The the story of it, the, the actual gameplay, you know, as you're playing through it, solving the puzzles, all that kind of stuff. The controls, going back and playing it now, are shonky as fuck. But at the time, it wasn't an issue. And I, I, I just love the game and the story of the game. And this sticks so fucking close to the story of the game. It is, it, it, there's bits in it where you're like, oh, God, I remember this bit in the game. It's, it, 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 it's, just, it's just crazy how closely they've managed to stick to the game. Um, as, I, as I think I mentioned when we were talking about it before, I her aesthetic in this game of the short skirt black tights sort of pulled down socks over boots kind of thing that was my look for quite a long time I used to that that used to be my aesthetic and it was because I love the game so much but again it's just it's so bang on just the way that the film looks is so bang on to the game um the only criticism i would have of it is they could have maybe done with sticking not quite as closely to the game for the look of the darker letter um it looks a bit daft like they they could have done it without black fucking lipstick and stuff like that they could have done it a different way it works in the game it doesn't work as well in the film she doesn't look menacing she just looks silly um but i mean that's a very very minimal complaint i think i love it i absolutely love it and what i am going to do at some point when um either mark's not here or goes for a nap or something along those lines is i'm gonna find there's a playthrough of 
Silent Hill 3. Well, there's numerous playthroughs of, of Silent Hill 3 on YouTube. And I'm just going to sit and fucking watch it. Nice. Watch someone else play it. Because I can't get my head around the old control system. But it's 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 fantastic. To, to, for someone that loves the game, it's a fantastic movie. That's, that's, well, that's really positive. I, I like that. So, uh, Mark, as someone who doesn't have an affinity for the uh, for, for the game, what were your thoughts on rewatch here? Um, I mean, it's not as long as Silent Hill, which is mm-hmm. good for me. Silent Hill mm-hmm. is really long. Um, I think it 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 lacks a lot of the atmosphere. I think of the first one. Which bothers me. Um, if it, I get it, you have an opinion because you have played what is that? I I don't at all. Even like the bit in the mall at the start before they even go to Silent Hill is like you're watching it going, oh, I see what you did there. But, and the Robbie the Rabbit everywhere. But I don't know who Robbie the Rabbit is. It's the fucking rabbit that's got right, blood on it. I don't know who he is. <laughs> but I'm saying, can you see if you didn't know any of these things, you'd be there going, huh? He's boring. He is boring, yeah. He's not in the game. No, he's he's boring. Um, Martin Donovan's in it. That's always good. Yeah, yeah. taken too soon in this film, isn't he? Yeah, he's taken is too he soon. Detective dipshit. Yeah. Carry on, Mosh. You kind of go, oh. So, so your post Matrix career went well. Yeah, she when she got that call for Matrix Four, she must have just been like, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes. And I got a follow up and went, I went, kids, we're eating this weekend. Oh, that's really mean. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but that's mean. <laughs> um, I, do you know what? I've watched this film so many times and I didn't even realise it was Carrie Ann Moss. No, in seconds I went. Yeah, no, because no, I, right. I, I right. thought you, you, you guys didn't watch Lost, did you? No. no. I no, thought she, not. yeah, because I thought she was this character, uh, Elizabeth Mitchell, who plays Juliet on Lost. Um, like, yeah. So when it came up, Carrie Ann Moss at the end, it was like, Jesus. <laughs> the thing is, it, it, you know, when something bothers you in a movie that shouldn't bother you in a movie. They're not, they're not wearing earpieces or anything. No, they're one, not. Like, but things that bother you that shouldn't bother you. All I was thinking was, so they've moved Leia from where they were before, right? They've moved out of the church, right? Oh, Leia. Where did they get the raw materials to make all of those things? Because they're trapped in Silent Hill. Where did they get the drapes from, Becky? Why does it matter so much, Mark? Because it, these things have to make sense, and they don't. Maybe Valtiel gave him them. I just... It just, it seems all a little convenient. There's plenty of houses they could have ransacked. That I have, said this when we were fucking watching That it. have 12 foot red drapes. Sure, why not? Oh. Maybe they've got six foot ones and they sewed them together. I didn't see the sewing ones. And I looked for them. Um, it's just... I get, if you go, is that I can see how you can enjoy it, and, and there's a there's a rompish nature to it. It's not a rompish nature. I think there's yeah, that was an odd, odd choice, choice of words. I wouldn't call Silent Hill Revelation a romp. 
They're not romping through Silent Hill, skipping and having a fucking good time, are they? They seem like that to me. Not a romp, you freak. I do think it seems a bit like a romp. It's not a romp. Right. I could see you could get that, but I just, it's, no, it it, it doesn't click with me. I'm glad it clicks with you. I'm glad you get such enjoyment out of it. And I fed off that enjoyment. But every time I mention anything vaguely critical, you shot me a death look. And well, because you're wrong. I'm, uh, well, Ian, Ian will be the deciding vote on this one then. <laughs> well, if he's also wrong, then no, he will not. <laughs> Ian, what do you think of it, Um, I mean, I, I, like you said, it's a half hour shorter than the first one, so that's good. Uh, wasn't as keen on the music. Um, you know, they they use the Silent Hill game music every now and then, but it kind of feels like it's less. I will say, big fan. Wish I had the Charlie Big Bananas nature to pull off a voicemail where I just go, it's me, leave a message, like Sean <laughs> Bean does at one point. I'm a big fan of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, again, it kind of... We had a voicemail once, didn't we? At our, at, was it our flat, was it our first house that just said, we won't listen to this? We did somewhere. <laughs> I, that, that, I think that was the last place we actually had a landline phone plug. Yeah, I, 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 think it, I think it was the, the, the house on Foscart where literally our voicemail message it went, we won't listen to this. Beep. <laughs> We're at least just setting that up right. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're setting expectations very well there, and I respect that. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it does take a bit of... It, it does take a while to get going. Um I don't think that the scares are all that great, and I think that the, the villains are just a bit shit. It, it is just like a do-over of the first one, but I do like Adelaide Clements. I think she's got some presence. Uh, she's a more likable lead than Rada Mitchell is. Mm. Uh, the she's cre- world's worst mother. She still does have the world's worst mother, but the mother at least only appears for about ten <laughs> seconds. Yeah. I don't think Rada Mitchell's credited at the end either, which made me wonder whether like it was basically a deleted alternative ending for the original that they just it stuck in there what is it because 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 she she looks considerably older i think oh oh all right fair enough then um but yeah i it was it was a bit odd watching it so soon after the first one because that first like 15 minutes or so before they do that flashback it is just like what the fuck is going on like why <laughs> like why are they back there and why are they calling each other different names and shit and it, it yeah um I mean, Kit Harrington is is bad, but I think Adelaide Clements is 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 perfectly decent. Um, that yeah, I mean, the creature design is is great. Uh, it's nice to see Pyramid Head getting some more work. That's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I it, it's, I, yeah, I, I I I certainly don't hate it, but if it was pushing the two hour mark and was this film then i i think it would be it would be a heck of a lot worse but it kind of gets in and out and does its job i watched it on saturday morning all in one sitting just got like fucking crack crack uh, cranked it out um and yeah job done um i i can't say i i am super super fond of the the silent hill films um, I think there's definitely a better film that could be made of them, uh, of of the video games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I hated it. I, th- I think I'm in between you two, really. Fair enough. Do you know what I wish one of the films had done? Wouldn't really work mm-hmm. on the first one. I wish one of the films had done some kind of variation adaptation of the joke endings on the games. 
video uh, you ever explain no 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 explain you looked at me like why would i know that because i've shown you the joke ending before is that in the same way as i've shown you numerous poly show movies no <laughs> i have i worked hard to play through silent hill 3 specifically to get the joke ending whereas yeah we all know poly show movies we watch so fair enough no shut up dickhead so I, I will find the wikipedia page so that i can read it properly to you uh, and I think they, they've done it. They did it on number one. Um, I don't know if they did it on number two, but they did it on number three. Uh, hmm. Oh, for fuck's sake. What? Oh, for being a dickhead. Oh, anyway, so. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Three endings appear in the game. The normal ending, which is the only ending available on the first playthrough, sees Heather and Douglas survive. While in the possessed ending, Heather kills Douglas. Douglas is detective dipshit. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Um, in the revenge ending, which is a joke ending accessible by performing, performing certain in-game actions, Heather reunites with Harry and Harry orders UFOs to blow up Silent Hill. Well, I have seen that one, yeah. You have indeed. That's pretty sweet. It's good. Um, and then Silent Hill 1 ending. So the joke ended on this there, one. There, there is a... Uh, uh, extraterrestrials abduct Harry, which is the Christopher De Silva character. There is a post-credits in this as well, isn't there? There is, yeah. Yeah, just pyramid and walking. I mean, who doesn't want to see more of that, to be fair? He's a yeah. badass baddie. He's a sex offender. Knows that that wasn't I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this whole thing's about him being a sex offender. Uh, you type in pyramid head sexual harassment, <laughs> there's a lot of it there. I mean, I'm not going to do that because I don't ever, ever want to type those words in. Pyramid head. You don't type in pyramid head, you've got to type in something relevant to it and it will pull it off. Well, no, because it'll be on his Wikipedia page. Pyramid head. The third search down, second search down, pyramid head, pyramid head sexual assaults. <laughs> Mate. Jesus. Certainly, the frustration due to a lack of sexual activity between the manifested through the bubblehead nurses and almost all months of the game, the scene in which pyramid head appears to rape mannequins. I mean, they're just mannequins. That's like having sex with a, a, a doll. Is pyramid? There's a question here. Is pyramid head a rapist? Well, there's a lot of words in that. <laughs> in the answer. I mean, I can just leave Pyramid Head alone. From Dark Alessa's point of view, he's a good guy. Oh, this might take a while in his reading. Okay. You can almost see the steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> Alright, baby. I'm trying to work out. Do you want an ice pack for your head? <laughs> oh god, go away, nerds. Just tell me whether or not he's a rapist or not. Right, what we don't it, it, I, I'm just gonna say he is without reading all Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> um yeah. I didn't put an audience poll for this. But yeah, I I would go that it, 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 it's a bit shit. You're a dickhead, Ian. Uh yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'll be honest, it's mild, but yeah, definitely not shit. I I I I think it's 
inoffensive enough it's still got enough of the the, the style of silent hill to kind of pull me through it and uh like i say i think the lead's better than rada mitchell so yeah yeah a mile definitely not shit strong definitely not shit from me Fair cool. play. it's not fallout though no it's not fallout we could rewatch fallout no I you're swear to fucking Christ. his arms up, right? You remember yeah, that bit? I do remember that bit. If you guys buy a 4K TV, and I'm assuming you'll buy the PlayStation 5 with the 4K disc drive, I'll just buy you a copy of Fallout on 4K. Just, <laughs> I'll just buy it. For, just get it done. Right. Just get it done. You won't regret it. The TV that you had at the cabin was obviously not fit for purpose, and I'm sorry I wasn't there to set it up. Um, next time I, 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 I will ring you to set it up with me yeah, yeah you, you, you yeah you do you you need to take a long look at yourself in the mirror and uh question why you didn't do that in the first place uh, yeah um we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll leave it there we'll leave it there i don't need to know what else was distracting you in that situation let's move on questions have we got questions how long how long is this show this feels like a very long show i've enjoyed my time immensely um but we're patrons are going to be getting about a three-hour show so yes um first question we've got two questions but they're both great questions first question uh from john dangerfield um what's your favorite cheese and he also says when are you bringing back patron view back my pick is tammy and the t-rex I just looked at what time the T-Rex is, and uh, I'm gonna fucking watch that. It sounds great. <laughs> um, so the Patreon reviews. To be honest, um, the just kind of like adding random shit to the schedule every week is completely just like new torpedoed the. We need to finish off the Patreon reviews. So I'm ever so sorry. Tammy and the T-Rex was not submitted at the time that we closed that off. But it sounds like Mark is going to watch it anyway. Yeah, I am. And oh, I'll don't get party pooper and watch Tammy and the T-Rex. I'll, I'll watch Tammy and the T-Rex, but my OCD will not allow me to call it a patron review. <laughs> That's fine. But it is, it, it, it's 82 minutes long, Ian. Is it on out? Uh, Shudder. Oh, fucking Shudder. Fuck off, Shudder. You probably get a free trial on Shudder. We yeah. already have one. Yeah, they might have got one probably get another one yeah um okay so yeah and actually thinking about that the patron reviews i think we still need to do short bus and perfect sense before we move on to the uh uh men doing their jobs really fucking well marathon yeah we'll get those done at some point when life starts to return yeah I th- it, it probably will be something like that when we've actually got some structure to our lives but um yeah um michael mann doesn't necessarily feel like a summer kind of director to talk about either in all well, honesty he's a september october director yeah 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 but it, it, it will come it will come um favorite cheese halloumi on a barbecue oh that's a really strong shout it's a really difficult one for me I don't, I, there aren't many cheeses i don't like what's your favorite though i don't fucking know that's oh i've got to say my favorite level of the bread. mine's bavarian smoked cheese you do like that fuck i love bavarian smoked I cheese i do like a burrata you know the mozzarella ones? Yeah. They're fucking good, but they're all liquidy in the middle and then they're... Oh, you liked it when we had it on the um, bruschetta things, though. Oh, yeah, that with was With the nice. parma ham. No, I, I liked it. I'm just not as big a fan as you are. 
could be going, I do like Halloumi though, and Stilton, also Brie. I'd also throw like a good apple wood in there. Any kind of smoked mm. cheese I'm a big fan of. Mm. Oh, I want some cheese now. <laughs> We've only got four inch cheddar. Yeah, I finished got... my Stilton, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Crumbled the rest of the Stilton through some hot pasta and it went all gooey. Oh, fucking delicious. I hate the word gooey. Gooey. Uh, we have another question. Is it cheese related? It's not cheese related, no. Uh, it's Rick Kidd at Rick J. Kidd. Uh, I recently had a conversation about um, great films that I've seen once but will never watch again, e.g. Schindler's List. Do you have any films which fall into that category? No, I, think so. I quite like rewatching Misery Porn films. Yeah, you do a little bit, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Rick for a Dream. It's a great film. Never need to see it again. I don't want to watch that again. Never need to see it again. I, I, I think I, I've... Oh, go on, Dex. No, I, I genuinely don't think there is any. If I like a film, I will I will rewatch it again at some point. There's not there's not really anything that... Like, even Casualties of War. I, I It's a horrible fucking film. I'll rewatch it again at some point. Because it's also really good. Yeah. I don't really want... Uh, I think I've, um, I swear I've kind of answered this in some context on the show before, um, but Rick's probably listened to every single episode, so maybe not. But um, Thomas Vinterberg's The Hunt for me, um, a fantastic fucking, like an, an amazing film. Mads Mikkelsen is incredible in that film, but I'll never, ever, 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 ever watch that film again. Just incredibly stressful. Um, yeah, yeah, The Hunt for sure. I have um, things like, um, for instance, I I enjoyed watching all of the Lord of the Rings movies when I watched them. I enjoyed watching, I think, all of the Harry Potter movies when I watched them. But I, I, but I have never have any interest to watch any of them again at all. Same as um, the Star Wars films. I've pretty much enjoyed all of them when we've re- when we've watched them. You know, the new ones that have come out. Mm. Um, it, it, but if you said to me, "Oh, do you want to watch?" Um, I can't know what it's called. Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, Rise of Skywalker. I'd be like, no. It's on Disney Plus, that in. I got it on fucking 4K disc. Oh, did you? I forgot about that. Yeah. I need to put that on eBay at some point, sell it to fucking, some fucking idiot. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, a bit like that with movies, but stuff like, yeah, for instance, Record for a Dream, I never need to see that again. It's just too... Oh, I really want to rewatch much. The Machinist as well. Again, great film. Don't see it again. I don't have Yeah, I. Yeah. Films that are just oppressively miserable. I, I, I don't. There might be a point where I go, yeah, I fancy watching that tonight. But now it's like no, I don't. I don't know that I can cope with that much just misery poured upon me. I was even thinking the other day I'd quite like to rewatch a Serbian film. Yeah, you see, I don't need to see that again. I don't think it's a great film. I don't think it was a great film. But I don't need to see it again. I'd like to watch it without all the... Noise around it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fucking miserable. Yeah, I just don't give a shit anymore about that. One of the managers I work with, Nick, like, pretty much whenever it's, like, the first conversation we have with anyone in work, he'll say, say, like, do you know what Ian's favourite film is? They'll be like, no, what? It's, like, a Serbian film. You should look it up. Um, he does that with like every single fucking person, I swear to God. And it was like our boss at the time, he like said that to you once and then she Googled it and then he, he literally, he had to say like, I'm, I'm joking. I am joking. That is not his like, cause it got a little bit like 
are you fucking serious? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Um, yeah, thanks for that, Nick. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so I think that's the end of the show. What what a treat that was! What a fucking treat that was to record. I I hope yep. it was um I hope it was a good episode for uh, for everyone listening. I really enjoyed that. Um, thank you very much to George for joining us. Uh, thank oh. you, Mark. Oh, you're very welcome. Ah, and thank you, Becky. You are very welcome. Lovely. Uh, next week we will be talking the King of Staten Island and uh, 7500. Uh, remind me to watch 7500. I, I, I'm sure I'll remember. It'll be all right. Um, and you know we'll 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 see what else week after we got Eurovision. Week after that, who the fuck knows? We'll we'll see. Um, could there be some sort of product in cinemas that weekend? Who knows? Probably not, but who knows? Russell. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They're talking about a US release for that, but not a UK release. And it's like, I need me some 4DX for that. Yeah. And I'll, so, I'll socially distance because I'll be the only fucker stupid enough to pay for it. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. So, uh, yeah, nice one, guys. Uh, we are podsyndicate.com. Listen to uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Lawrence podcast, his film, her movie. Um, and I better go. It's late. You two need some food. So yeah. goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. We're going to go eat cheese. Oh, and also the the last part of Catsmas is now on the Patreon. $2 a month. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Bye. 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 Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Yeah. Father, Father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Oh, picket line. And picket signs Don't punish me With brutality Talk to me So you can see Oh, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? Ah, ah, ah. Right on, baby Right on, baby. Right on. Mother, mother, everybody thinks we're wrong. Oh, but who are they to judge us? 
simply cause our hair is long. Oh, you know we've got to find a way. Bring some understanding here today. Oh, oh, oh. picket lines and picket signs. Don't punish me with brutality. Come on, talk to me so you can see what's going on. Yeah, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. I'll tell you what's going on. Right on, baby. Right on. Right on, baby. Right on, baby. Come on. Right on. Right on. No sweat. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.